Tip today with Fran Curry, IMRO Radio Award Gold Winner. In association with SlatterysGarage.ie. Good morning and welcome to Friday's Tip Today. Miserable, miserable morning out there. Whatever you're doing, if you're out on the roads, please take it handy this morning. A busy three hours to keep you company this morning. We'll have Johnny Luby's weekly ramblings, of course. Our GP Pat Harold will be here to talk to us about keeping well during winter. We'll also continue our discussion about the cost of staycationing in Ireland. Are women released from hospital too soon after having babies? The president's wife, Sabina Higgins, thinks so. She made the comments last night. We'll be getting your views today. Why is there an increase in attacks on referees in GAA? The Clock Jordan Circus Club and our Friday panel will unpack the hot topics of the week. Also, our competition continues today in conjunction with our friends at Talbot Fitness in Clomel at the Talbot Hotel. We're delighted to give away the ultimate gift of fitness and health. We're giving you the opportunity to win four months free leisure membership at the Talbot Leisure Centre. All you have to do to be in with a chance is text Jim followed by your name and where you are in the county to 083-311-3311. And that's on text or WhatsApp. Emma is also standing by on the phones this morning, 1809-38007. But of course, it's Friday morning, so who else do we want to talk to on a Friday morning? Only Johnny Luby. Johnny, good morning. Good morning, Ali. How's it going? Great. Good to talk to you. And I'm glad you've the time for us because you're a bit of an old celebrity the last couple <laughs> yeah. of weeks, aren't you? Hey, hey, I took one squint out the window this morning and I'm still in the cot. Oh, it's rotten, isn't it? Ah, unbelievable. Oh. Winter is here, Johnny. Yeah. I, I just turned on the the co-car dial thing there for a few for a few minutes to take the sting out of the house. And I was <laughs> just thinking of Mr. Raymond Ryan and some hardy gordies above in Dalian when they said to all and sundry on the main news that they would not be turning on possibly the aisle until at least next Monday. Yeah. Now there's an awful difference up there where you have triple glazed windows and everything else, and not one of them know the the price of a, a litre of uh, heating oil or it? whatever else they're doing. We're listening to people who actually built a room for a computer and found out then that it couldn't come in the door. A printer. A printer. Yeah. Mother of God above tonight, and they're telling us then about this, that, and the other. I just take them all with a grain of salt. I'll tell you something for nothing. And what did uh, you make of the budget, Johnny? The budget, but so you see, the budget was, wasn't too bad. But you see, they had so much money beforehand that they didn't actually know what to do with it. Yeah, they had millions and billions and everything else. Uh, it was unbelievable the amount of money that they had to throw out because they got it all in the vet and tax returns and property tax and every other kind of a tax that's out there. And uh, they had to give it back to the people. Now the old age pensioners got twelve euro, which is. Grinding as such in the scheme of things, but in the case of leaf half, and you'll get grass over the toughest last three months of the coming year October, November, December, they won't be getting it until January, mm. which is a, a disgrace considering that they were able to up the price of a packet of cigarettes 50 cent the night of the budget at 12 o'clock. So 
they with computers and modernization and everything else, they actually have everybody's age. They know what they're doing. They know when they're going to pass a bit of flatulence. They know everything about us. And at the same time, we have to hold on until January the 1st for uh, uh, an increase. How are we to survive over the last three, over the next three months, please, God? And this is the time we need it, isn't it? Well, you can have no doubt about it. I mean, everything else has went up. Uh, and that uh, the heat Nile, I bought heat Nile two years ago, 36 cent a litre, and today it is probably 140. Yeah. You know, uh, like, to me, look, anyway, here's what it is, and that's it. They're talking now about, you know, letting mothers out of hospital the day after the baby. Seemingly, when I was born, they they kept my mother lot to Murphy and myself inside for about 10 days. Really? And there was people looking into the cot and this is exactly what they said. That man will be a bishop yet. <laughs> now, I didn't become a bishop. How wrong I became, they were. I, I became a father. And <laughs> that's as far as I progressed up the line. But uh, mentioning fathers and the whole lot, there's a big concert tonight in Tullus. I, uh, my missus is going to it anyway. She's, under, she's still on the, on the crutches. I was going to say the stick. She's still on the crutches. But she's going over tonight to the... Oh, do we, I don't know what brothers it is. I'm singing over there and told us tonight. And she said she's going. I said I might go again. She said you've no ticket. I said I, do, I won't go to them. I said I'll go to the county board draw, which is on tonight. I said you can drop me there and collect me on the way back. You might but, get more uh, out of the county board draw, would you? <laughs> I don't. I, I never I know. <laughs> With that Timmy Flyden charge, I, I, I know one thing. I don't know am I in at all. But Are I, you banned I, from it? I have no, 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 no. Timmy's going at the end of the year when he hasn't been bad for the last uh, number of years. He can't bear me now. But I suppose, Ellie, on the, the weekend that's gone in the hurling, look, heartiest congratulations to the teams who have reached the last four in the Premier County Senior Hurling Championship, mainly Kildang and Kilwan McDonald's Drum and Inch, and the team which I am following now, which is Upper Church Drum Band. Day of Pairines. Canaan's, Oliver Rhines, John Nids, Mary the Peelers and Jim the Mills fame. Were you ever in any of them locations? I was. Over the years I would have been now, but oh, yeah, the, the memories would be hazy. Yeah, you see, we we went there on Sunday night because we said that's where the crack would be and the place is literally on fire. Of course, they're in two county semi-finals, which is a wonderful and also yeah. a Juno Holland team. Uh, and that, but it's a great place. And the board called the Hen Harrier. Of all the fine birds that ever landed above in uh, in Upper Church, she's the she's the hen, the greatest of them all. And I met all the rhymes there. And you know yourself, rhymes of all nicknames. But I, I met a new nickname the other night, Mrs. Ryan. She'd be the mother, the mammy of Michael Ryan, who was the uh, Tipperary manager yes. uh, during the good years. And uh, I thought actually for a while that she was Michael's sister. But... She's the mammy, and uh, she, they're known as Rhines of the Line. Ah, is the line so the I, name of the road or something? Yeah, I must come back and find out the history of Upper Trust before I start shouting for them. But uh, look, have looked at the teams that were beaten in the quarterfinals. It's hard to go out. But I suppose mainly uh, Canolty Rossmore on account of the, the sudden death of, of their captain, the late great Dylan Quirk. And uh, look, they performed absolutely brilliant uh, during their campaign. And, uh, it was a tough well, year for him. Oh, yeah, it was a, a, a tough year, uh, Ellie. There's no question about it. And then, of course, on Sunday last, uh, I didn't get to the game because I had been at a game the pre- uh, in that morning early watching Clonolty on the 13th. But I didn't get to the game in Tullus. But you see, when you're, the next man in line was uh, uh, Jack Ryan, who's 
Declan's son, a first cousin of Dylan Quirks, he gets injured before the match and had to come off after a quarter of an hour and he had scored five points in that quarter of an hour. And then Alan Ryan got uh, picked up two yellow cards uh, and that, so they played maybe 45 minutes with uh, 14 players. But that's to take nothing from, uh, what is it, uh, Kildangan if they take nothing from them because uh, often it can be held very hard to play against 14 players and mm-hmm. look Knorty Ross Morris has been uh, a tough year for them and the whole community but look a sincere thanks to them for fielding their teams and playing with uh, a manliness that uh, would be always associated with Knorty and Ross Moore and uh, finally look I suppose our thoughts are still uh, uh, with Knorty Ross Moore and uh, the Quirk family and Friday family and Ryan's families and all the lads that that done the green and gold but on Sunday morning I went to see Clonolty Ross Moore against Kill Rowan McDonough's in an under 13A county semi-final Kill Rowan McDonough's had a brilliant team out and uh they were also in the D semi-final against Cashel King Cormacks. It's a huge thing to be able to put out 40 players under 13. That's fantastic. Uh, absolutely fantastic and well done to them. They have a serious outfit there and a lot of serious work goes on with Kilwan McDonough's. But lo and behold, the referee, Mott Ryan, I think he's from around Temple New, Temple Dewey, neck of the woods. He'd only three umpires. I was walking behind the goalpost and uh, he asked me would I do umpire. I said I would but all I said I didn't take the. Jesus Johnny, he said you'll be a great catch for us. He said sure, you're neutral. I didn't tell him I'd have gone some Play with Knowlty <laughs> Ross Moore. I said I am. You said <laughs> anyway, I would, of course, yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, look, fair play to the old soul. Parting was absolutely fantastic with everybody concerned. But of course, yours truly, I wasn't there 10 seconds when I took out a fag to uh, light up and more trying to just give me the, the, the nod. Knock it out, Johnny. I felt like telling him, here, you can stick that flag wherever you like. But uh, look, I suppose uh, uh, that's the. Uh, just like everything else, Ellie, you hear of so many talking about the GA and attacks on referees and the whole lot. Look, at the end of the day, you can have the two greatest teams in the world. You can have snooker, you can have soccer, you can have rugby, you can have billups, you can have everything. That's the whole lot. But you need a referee. Yeah. And for us uh, uh, people on the sideline, I suppose, when we stop and think of the abuse that the referees get, like they, they call it on the spur of the moment uh, and that. And even the top referees, uh, they'll go back and replay it that night on television and they won't get everything. Mother mm-hmm. of God, above tonight, they can't get everything. The ball travels so fast and whether those pushing in the backs or whether they took an extra step, it all depends which side you are supporting. But the abuse they're getting is uncalled for. Yeah. And if we just all... Uh, reflect on the referees this weekend at senior football and senior hurling and underage uh, stuff as well. Look, all the referees can do is their best and let's think of that, you know, and look, they give up their time, they have to blow the whistle, they have to wave play on and uh, wave advantage on and sometimes it mightn't uh, crew up for the team that's uh, involved with possession. But look, lo and behold, uh, a sincere thanks to the referee and the officials, even the umpire, sideline men, like, it's a help. What what is it it though, Johnny? What is it about Gag? Because I had this chat with one of my young lads on the way home from a match last week and he said to me and I think he might be right because I was asking him why is it Gah that has it more than any other sport now and he said because you don't have as much passion in any other sport as you do in GA. I think yeah, he might be right. Yeah you have huge passion of course he's a parish effort and all of that but I see it in the rugby and the soccer and that you'll always have lads that will shout in from the side and at the rift or offside and the whole lot you know and, that, and look uh 
to the hard, tis very hard there and then. I'd say to anybody, myself included, that's given out and have given out and all of that. Uh, look, put the whistle into your mouth. You go out and do it. Yeah. And it's a different ball game with the game travelling so fast and uh, uh, and all of that. But anyway, you'd need uh, three refs. Jenny, can I put a text to you? There's a text in from a listener, and he's saying, um, "Well, I think it's male now. I'm assuming." He's saying a lot of refs bring this trouble on themselves because they show their bias on the pitch. There's one ref um, that I know that when I see him coming, I know we're guaranteed to lose that match. So people start off in bad form. Uh, Refs have to be accountable too. Yeah, look, and, and all the refs are, there's no, I mean, like, you take this weekend in, in, in Tipperary alone, in, in, in the hurling, uh, down to all the age groups, uh, and uh, you possibly, if a referee, uh, if you have uh, maybe uh, 25 or 30 matches, that's 30 referees gone uh, yeah. uh, between today and tomorrow. It's possibly 120 umpires, and it's possibly 60 uh, maybe linesmen. Like and it's very hard. That's all I'm saying is that it's very hard. And look, what we'd all, all of us think the whole time. The first thing we, you, you'd ask you, uh, who's refereeing match? Oh, we've no chance. Yeah. Like, give the referees a chance and give them the respect because if they don't turn up, it's as simple as this. All the training in the world that the teams have done is gone for nothing. Yeah, and the players and are a lot moutier now, I think, than they were before. And we don't know yeah. half of what's been said on the field. Ashon, Jesus. Listen, I, years and years ago, I got suspended from uh, uh, the West Board. I don't uh, Because it, uh, seemingly abused towards the referee, and the referee put down an, on his report. I was abused by a man from Golden Kilfiegel wearing glasses. I went tore up to the West Board meeting. I said, before, Mr. Chairman, you opened my mouth and opened the report and the whole lot. I said, am I the only one in Golden Kilfiegel wearing bloody glasses? <laughs> you know that kind of way. But, uh, look, anyway, we became good friends afterwards. I suppose Golden and Mull, Golden Kilfiegel are playing Mullinahone in Littleton uh, and Ballinair v Grange Mokler. That game's on the Saturday. That's the county semi-final of the intermediate football and the best mm-hmm. of luck to all sides. But I suppose being a small bit partisan, a small little bit more to Golden Kilfiegel, who'll have to be under toes because Mullinahone are the uh, favourites acknowledged on by one and all. Then you have Lockmore v Upper Church and my Rovers v Commercials all in senior football. And that's on in Golden on Sunday. Uh, absolutely fantastic and that wonderful match that, that had never happened but that I'd done between uh, Clarehan and Ballingarry. Clarehan played Kildangan in Holy Cross on Sunday at one o'clock. Now they haven't asked me back to do the video so I lie low on that one. Because... <laughs> I know. That's a crime. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, and uh, then you're the big relegation final. Arlo v. Clare. That's in Bench at 2.30 on Saturday. And uh, of course Golden Kilfiegel they do play a county semi-final of the under-17A hurling which is a big thing for ourselves. We beat uh, Ross Gray on Saturday evening last in uh, Holy Cross where we had Jordan to Glasheen to, uh, to go through all what happened on, on that day. Uh, now they play Mike Archie, Willie Ryan's uh, club, uh, Mike Archie Boris, Frank Curry's ex-club, Mike Archie Boris on Sunday. I think that game is in Cashel and Golden Kilpeakle have a lovely team. What I like about them is there's a bit of, of a coat attached to them. As I said, the county board draws on tonight. Hopefully, I'll bring a, a, a new car out of the place. We have a Greyhound charity night tonight in Clonmel. Huge crowd is expected, probably one of the biggest ever with not Graffin and Cashel involved. And uh, Liam Cale, I think, has the present temporary manager has a Greyhound in the very first race. I don't know whether he's uh, nap material.
style offensive material but I presume he is coming from dead quarters and a few of the Tipperary players will be there tonight okay. of course on Friday last Alison a sincere thanks to Tip FM yourself and Fran Cordy and the whole lot for giving us space to uh, uh, mention the uh, host this morning in the Golden uh, Kilfiegel Hall in Golden it was yeah. absolutely brilliant uh, we raised almost 1800 euro which was fantastic thanks to all the people who came from all over uh, and that and, and thrown in a few bob into the the, the morning we had uh, three or four wonderful girls there Kathleen McCarthy Kathleen Fogarty uh, and Corvin Mary Corvin Mary Brown Mary uh, Bowles all serving teas and everything else and sincere thanks to them I met Jane Fitzgerald Michael Fitzgerald the councillor's mother I told her she was looking well where did she get her hair done and she was just going to tell me only what she said was you tell that friend Curry on tip <laughs> I said Jane I won't she said you will I said right so I will so then she said I won't tell you uh, the Golden Kilfiegel girls are in a county final in the win on Sunday and of course in the ladies football the big one is fed up to be Brian Barrows uh, in the senior football I don't know where that game is but that's on, on I think Sunday as well and of course you have all the Camogie semi-finals Canalty Ross Moore into the semi-final I think they play Cashel and of course then you have Drum and Inch they're also in it as well and look uh, uh, we have Super Sunday Tipperary race course. They're expecting a huge, huge crowd there with the Prix de Lac on the big screen and it's one of the best meetings of the year, Sunday and Monday next in Tipperary race course. And of course, next Thursday, then, like everything else, you have the flat meeting going on at that famous track in Tullus, of which is probably one of the all-time greats weather-wise over the winter. Uh, you have then, of course, I mightn't be around to see it, a club called Skehenarinki. Well, who would they be now? They are playing Golden Kilfiegel in a county intermediate quarterfinal. That, will I see you there? No. Ah, Johnny. I, I honestly believe we'll win and I'd hate to see uh, the, the, disappoint, the disappointment on the Skenerinke uh, <laughs> uh, players afterwards. Now, uh, I suppose I must look just finishing up. The handball is going absolutely brilliant in Tipperary at the moment where James uh, uh, Prentice and Jerome Cal win the Intermediate All-Ireland in Tomb Graney and John Ferdencombe and David Maloney of Cashel, they win the All-Ireland Masters. Whilst in Cashel, Rory Grace of Lahorna and Owen Healy of Newport to win the All-Ireland under-21 handball. A wonderful Fantastic. game. The Mullinses of Clanmel to win the Ruby Masters and Paul Mullins and Eddie Farrell win the Silver Masters. And next week, all juveniles are out. So good luck to them all and have luck to Christy Carey and Willie Burke of uh, Ballinay on their All-Ireland uh, final, uh, being beaten in the final against the Mayo boys. Handball, as I keep saying, is a wonderful game. I'm yeah. half thinking of taking it up again. Oh my God, you'd be vicious, I'd say. <laughs> Yeah. And uh, I must mention uh, Joe Whelan is in Tipperary Town because they're giving a few pounds to whatever charity I decide at the end of the day. It's the place for ties and Santa Claus and everything else. And uh, look, everything from a needle to an anchor. And uh, they are great supporters of the set of charity. And whatever I'd, charity I decide, more than likely it will be the South Hypospice because uh, I'm a well big done. follower of yeah. the anything we can do. It. And of course, this morning in care, we have uh, uh, tea there organised by the girls and coffees and that I think is the small blues or something like that but yeah, I mean, I'm small blue heroes 
Oh, yes, yeah, I'm hoping to get down to that, Ali. So, yeah, a, a great event. Can I ask you as well, the, the front of the Daily Mail, when I spotted it, I said I must ask Johnny Luby about that because they're saying there's a warning from the EU saying you have eight weeks to stop cutting turf. Um, so contractors tell Brussels to back off after court action is threatened. The EU is threatening to sue Ireland, to sue us, unless turf cutting stops in over 100 bogs within the next eight weeks. What do you make of that? Oh, Mother God, listen, I don't know many representatives we have outside in Europe, but to be really, really somewhere on the ball, I think the whole lot of them should have been joined, the one crowd in Europe, rather than having two here in this party and three in another party and one in another party and the whole lot. To have a bit of clout, you need to, uh, to be at the, the proper end of the business. And I think it's an absolute scandal that the EEC can implement something like that on us. For Bournemouth, we have the 65th biggest island in the world. We have, we're like a fly up on top of a camel's back. Mm-hmm. We have no more say uh, in what goes on, uh, uh, we'll say, with the, the cutting of the turf. The point I'm making is, is that uh, the cutting of the turf Listen to me, this is, they want to cut a few sods of turf, so be it. They've been doing it since the year dot. So be it. And now we have the EC telling us that, uh, that we can't do this and we can't do peat briquettes here in Ireland. And at the same time, we can buy them in from Germany. Yeah. It all depends on who you are or what's going on. We have turbines that are blowing like bloody hell this morning up on them yokes, them wind things uh, uh, up on top of the hills, which is brilliant. And come next week, if, 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 uh, if there's no wind... Yeah, that's the problem. The, the things won't blow. The right place to perch a half dozen of them is above in the dial because there's nothing up there on the nest load of wind. <laughs> now, that's my honest to God. Anyway, listen, I'm hoping to get out of the country next week, please God, because I... Again? Uh, well, look, John. I messed to a, 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 the opening of a, what would one say, a nail house. What's a nail house? A drinking establishment. I never like heard the, of a nail like house. Like the bridge house in Gordon. Do you ever call a nail house? I oh. went into a nail house I used to frequent and I told the landlady my money was spent. It never the song says. You never heard of a nail I house? Didn't. Of course. In all honesty, look, in skein a rinky, you'd want to move out a small, a small bit for well, them. Listen, we're very close to find out there. what's going on in all the county. <laughs> and I have got to get to that lovely neck of the woods. I think it was a Mrs. Fogarty asked me to go up to Calais. And if there's anybody listening, could they tell me from Golden, when you're going to Templemore, do you turn left, right, or do you go straight on to get to Calais? But somebody will be listening from that neck of the woods. Absolutely. Um, and uh, that's about it now, Alison. Well, uh, so what's the plan for the weekend then, Johnny? Are we hitting, yeah, other than it's the Celtic Brothers actually is playing tonight. Somebody oh, oh fair play. Somebody listening there. Yeah. My missus is going to that tonight now and she's looking for an outside seat because she's on the stick on the crutches. On the crutches. Jesus, I'll tell you one thing. Listen, I'm going to get every time a crutch falls here I have to bend down and pick it up and it, it's not the easiest that thing must be hard for you Johnny oh yeah Good. the best wishes to Nellie O'Connor who's listening this morning she got a card from everybody at Bingo and Golden about 307 people or something all signed the big card wishing her well with her operation on the knee and Billy is flat out lifting her leg up and down Poor old Billy. Johnny, have a great weekend. <laughs> Thank you. Have a I good one. That, I think uh, that's the lot. Looking back through a couple of things I've written down here. Yeah, that's, that's the very best. Golden Tilfeekle, if you want to shout him on, let's have a team wearing green and white uh, this weekend on Saturday. Not on that, Sunday, though. 
Uh, oh, on Sunday as well, but you're not playing, you see, for, for another week. <laughs> oh, on Sunday week we are? Yeah, Sunday week. I this Sunday. No, we're out in the 17 hole and mother That's of God, right. what a great club. But look at Upper Church, Dunbain. Isn't that some club to do what they're doing? Unbelievable. And for the size they are and, and the success ah. they're, they're making, do you know what I mean? It's, it's incredible. Yeah. And, and Ellie, not a bad old uh, scout's up to, to flog out an old pint. And I'm giving a wink now like that. You have to have a secret the, word, the, do you? On the QT. Can I ask you, <laughs> listeners, just wondering, what does Johnny think of penalties to decide a match in hurling? I think, uh, well, look, it's either that or let's go back to a replay uh, uh, again. The plain facts of the matter is that I spoke here about a fortnight ago about training on the lights and the cost it's going to be mm. now. It's going to be huge. And if you were to bring back a match again on the lights, uh, the cost it is to the club that's hosting, we'll just say the likes of uh, uh, Rockwell Rovers beyond. I don't know if they get anything extra for uh, uh, holding a match on the lights. I wasn't in favour of it, but now, look, I say, let's get it over and done with. Uh, the side matches on the day because with the cost of uh, uh, diesel and fuel and everything else to go to a replay uh, look the clubs know it beforehand that is the rule and so be it it's mm. as simple as that that's what I look well, it's great to watch from a spectator's point of view, isn't it? But I know it's heartbreaking for the teams that that's how oh, it's decided. Oh, it's heartbreaking for the teams. Yeah. I see my own grandson was crying there last Saturday yeah. on the 13 after being hammered by the team. I just put my arms around him and I said, listen, Dad, I said, if I told you last April, I said, you'd be in a county semi-final in A-Hurling on the 13, which our beloved Clonality Ross Moore says, wouldn't you be delighted to yeah. get to a county semi-final? But naturally, I said, as you get there, everybody wants to win. And that's what is, you know, that's the, those winners and losers. And that's why we played the matches. And look, the Penalty shootout on the day, it's there. It's uh, uh, in the holding, it's in the football, it's in the whatever, even soccer, rugby. Look, I I haven't seen it too much in rugby, although uh, in rugby sometimes it's down to the the club that scores the first try. And if there's not a first try down, then it's uh, the club that scored the the first penalty or something like that. So they'll have small rules there. Maybe they'll bring that back into the G of the club that scores the first goal or whatever, you know. But look. Johnny, to get to Killeen? You go into Templemore, you turn right at the T junction, then you turn left at the bridge, and you'll see the signs for Clay. My God, there's always somebody listening they're up, out they're there. up this morning. <laughs> I must get up out of the car now, <laughs> I'll tell you this. Johnny, have a great weekend. Right, Ali, thank you. All the best. Bye bye. Thanks. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Welcome back to Tip Today. We were speaking to Johnny Luby about this rise in attacks on referees. Um, and it follows the most recent story, I suppose, was the abandonment of a game an under-12s game in Wexford this week uh, because of abuse um, directed to the referee and that follows on from another match that had to be called off in Waterford last week and of course that uh, infamous attack in County Roscommon from a couple of weeks ago where it it would appear that the the referee was was assaulted on the pitch and headbutted. So we have a post on our social media it's running this morning on our Facebook and it's asking why are attacks on referees on the rise and we'd love your views on it. You can go to our Facebook to respond or you can text us. Our, the phone lines are open. Text or WhatsApp 083-311-3311 or 1800 938 007.
Now, there's an event taking place in Dublin tomorrow and it's called Together We Can. It's being held at the Three Arena and will feature speakers like actor Colin Meaney, James Nesbitt, also politicians Leo Varadkar and Mary Lou MacDonald, among many others. It's a forum for discussion on the future of the country. On the face of it, it might seem like a bit of a vapid PR exercise, but do we need to be more open and active in our conversations about our future? I'm delighted to be joined on the line by former Tip Senior Hurler Timmy Hammersley, who also works in the non-profit sector and also individually as an athletics performance coach. Uh, Timmy, good morning to you. Hi, Alison. Thanks for having me on. Always a pleasure to talk to you, Timmy. Now, yeah. we, we tend to view events like this maybe with a bit of suspicion, I think. But do you think maybe as a nation we need to be more engaged and encourage our young people to get more engaged in discussions like this? Yes, yeah, so just for context, Alison, Ireland's future is the main advocacy group for uh, United Ireland mm. for the reunification of the island. And I think tomorrow is a massive event. It's the biggest United Ireland event possibly ever taking place it's on the tree arena and you mentioned like you know a lot of the kind of people that are that are attending like um most if not all of our main politicians in the country from all of the parties from Fine Gael to Sinn Féin to Fianna Fáil and so on so that tells me like this is absolutely on the the agenda and I, I think for me, like, personally, like, there is an opportunity. Um, look, one of my ambitions that I have usually is the reunification of the country. And there is an opportunity for that over the next possibly 10 years. And I think tomorrow is a big event in getting getting the conversation, uh, kicking, it, kicking it off and trying to engage people who might not recently have been engaged or traditionally wouldn't have been in, in, engaged in it. Because we had the the release of the the census result last week, yeah. where we heard Catholics out now outnumber Protestants in Northern Ireland for the first time ever. So, do you think now is the time to start having that discussion about a united Ireland, or do you think we're still a bit away from that yet? Oh, sure. People like myself have always been talking about it, really. So, yeah. So it's kind of but not it, a is it time to move you know, on it? Oh, hundred percent. It's time to move on it. I, I think a number of factors. Alison, uh, Brexit has literally changed the game. You know what I mean? Like anything that, you know, people that would be Republican of a thought process like myself, nothing that anyone else has done has pushed it on further than uh, than uh, than uh, Brexit. And the fact, I suppose, that Ulster, like, like uh, Northern Ireland was taken out of the EU against its will, you know, might be a strong way to say it, but that's mm. the, that's the, that is the, that is the truth of it. Like overwhelmingly, the majority of their vote to stay within the EU that was taken out. Um, there's a growing, so even taking out the unionist Republican element, there's a growing demographic of people who are not orange or green, but what they are is European. But that that's mainly what they if you speak to anyone like like uh like uh if you speak to anyone who would fit that demographic generally being in the EU is very important to them. Uh, the the only way back into the EU for them now is uh is true uh is true uh is true uh United Ireland. Um on top of that then the other things like you're saying there um Fein is the main party now has mm. the highest percentage of 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 uh, votes. 
it, it is the first time in history that unionists have not the have not the have not the majority, and the DUP no longer hold power. And the final element that you're after that you're after that you're after that you're after, that you're after talk talking about there. The state in Northern Ireland was created for a unionist a unionist parliament for a unionist yeah. people. Unionist Protestants are no longer in the, in the majority. So for me, yes, there's issues, there's problems, but for me the planning element needs to begin now. Okay, It's in the Good Friday Agreement that the British government are obliged to call a border poll. Okay. Yeah. If there's any inclining that the majority may may be in favour of it, they could hoist that upon this country quicker than you quicker than anyone actually thinks. And I think for me, the planning: what would a new state? What is a 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 United Ireland joining the 26 and this and the six counties? I think we're we're well beyond time now, Alison, where talking should be happening, to be honest with you. you know? I just worry, Timmy, that we have too much of a romanticised view on it. And and I would have had that view myself, but until I went to the North, we went a few years ago, and I have to say I never felt more unwelcome in a place mm. than I did in the North. I remember we went to uh, a campsite and because we had this, a Southern registered car, we were put in a separate field away from everyone else. We were warned not to wear any jersey of any kind. And we woke up the next morning and there was a stream of people, a crowd of people outside the fence where we were camped, just staring at us. I will never forget it. I thought we were going to be killed up there. And I vowed never again would I go back up there. Yeah. But so why do, why do, why should... Like why that still? Why should we brush our hands off that and say that is nothing got to do with us? Like there's, there, there's Catholic, there, there's Irish-minded people who are there. They're now in the, they're they're now in the majority or close to it. I mean, like why should they have to put up with that sectarianism? Like you see on the 12th of July and so on. Like my kind of point is that it, it's not just their problem. Like it's yeah. our issue. To deal with as well, it's this country, it's this island, and for me as well, Alison. I the longer, um, sorry, the the more you bring that, the more you join up. Like you know, you have a new state, you have a new parliament. The more that the orange, the green becomes less important. Even do you know what I mean? Mm. Like it's important there because it means everything. You know, yeah. generally, but. Northern Ireland is is a failed state. It doesn't have it doesn't have it does not have even a parliament as it is. Like it's not it hasn't worked. It's probably not going to work. And you know it, it's the easy thing is to wash our hands and say oh, that's not got to do with us. Do I mean like the Good Friday Agreement has said that you can be British, you can be Irish, okay, you can be and you can be either or you can be the uh, two together, you know, and we should be able to accommodate that um, in 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 a state. And I'd be all for, Alison, like I would be absolutely all for, you know, whatever we could do as a unified Ireland to make the British, the orange identity, feel like they have a place, feel like they feel like they have a home. I'm all for that, but I 
what I'm strongly against is um, is the threat of trouble or the threat of any violence putting off what would be what would be what would be democracy and that that's sometimes very strong on like the provisional IRA campaign was not ever going to force uh, United Ireland but that's just my 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 opinion and by the same token though any threat of violence to democracy shouldn't be acceptable on on the on the other side either if yeah. the majority stated that their their view now is they want to embrace um new a uh, new a uh, new a uh, new united ireland and and embrace constitutional change <clears throat> mm. Timmy, could I ask you just before I leave you go, I was talking to Johnny Luby about this increase in attacks mm. on referees and we have it up in our social media post as well. Sure, look, nobody yeah. knows better than you what goes on in a field and, and how refs are treated. What do you yeah. make of this this increase we've been seeing lately in attacks on refs? Uh, look, I think has it increased though or has it been always there? It's just one thing I probably would would maybe ask as well like I, I think the social media like ob- like obviously it's been there now but if you go back you know 20 30 years instances were happened they just weren't caught on camera true so I'm, I, I'm just kind of wondering is it has it always been there or is it coming to the fore uh, quite 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 is it coming to the fore uh, uh, a small bit more over the past time but it, but it absolutely is a problem, and it's it's a cultural problem, Alison, isn't it? Because it's it's not in rugby, you know mm. what I mean, and it's not in other sports. But it is an issue with the GA, and it is it, it, and it's not you know it's not the fault of any one in, individual either. In my opinion, it's a cultural issue that we have to face up to. And look, I know, I know, Angel, I've given out about rest and so on. But going on to pitch and assaulting, you know, that's a different level altogether. You know, like I, I would like to see what what I see still going on at juvenile games, particularly coaches, parents beyond the pitch. Yeah, you know, like like coming in ten meters from the sideline. Yeah, you know what I mean. And they're like, halfway in through the pitch. Yes, they're yeah. halfway in, and they're behind the goal. Yeah, you know, if if their little Johnny is playing full back, there's a dad behind the goal screaming at him. Do you know what I mean? And what now, do you have a lot, Timmy, as well, is now, groups of maybe yeah, young do. lads gathered yeah. behind the pitch, maybe yeah. taunting the small old goalie in, yeah, in the middle. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's the thing as well. But it's, it's, the, it's the coach, it's the parent coming onto the beach. Now you, you, now, you might think there's a few steps away from that and then go into rest. But I think one leads to the other. Yeah. Very quickly, if someone is pretty hot-headed, if someone is shouting and roaring, and I would just love to see a rule that if anyone in Roaches, like I'm talking about five metres on the pitch, the game is stopped until yeah. they're off. Do you know what I mean? And for us, as an, as an association, and for refs, sorry, and for and for refs to feel like they can actually, if anyone comes onto the pitch in an aggressive manner, and I'm, I'm not even talking about going close to the ref, like have a sideline, like have a sideline where there's, if, Mentors come on five meters. The match is stopped. You know yeah. what I mean? Because that shouldn't be happening. And then the other, the other, the other thing is just, just you know, just still look. There's a whole load of stuff to it, Alice, because it, it's a very hot topic. Um, We've a couple of but, texts in from listeners, Timmy, and yeah. I'd love your view on it, saying yeah. that referees are often very biased, and that's what leads to the aggression. Ah, oh, no, no, you're making excuses there. Like how, 
like the referees are human they're going to make mistakes and coaches make mistakes players make mistakes there is absolutely we can't there is no excuse you might made some the odd ref who gets who gets things wrong or 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 whatever but it's you know, how can anyone say that's an excuse for um, headbutting or assaulting a uh, ref? There is no excuse. And, you know, you're you're getting to the stage, Alison, and people can make up all the excuses they want, but there's a shortage of refs. Yeah. And in, from what I know in TIP, it's more severe than in any other place, really. And what is, what's going to happen when we've no refs? You yeah. know what I mean? That's the kind of thing, you know. So I, I just love, I love to see a start of those things where your the pitch is completely for players. Yeah. You know, and there is no, and there is no behind the goals. There is no coming on ten meters on the side because when you allow that stuff continue, it just le- leads to more aggression on the side, and it just serves no purpose at all. You know what I mean? And the final thing, Alison, what really annoys me now, I, I think. There is no excuse at all for this, but particularly when it happens at underage matches, isn't it terrible, really? Isn't it like do you know? And it's it's essentially part of it is parents or coaches not realising, and still winning means everything for them at underage, do you know. Yeah. And as much as we want to win, when I was over underage teams, I wanted to win. Is but it's not. It's not for winning. It's for bringing young people through. It's for it's for getting them playing. It's for progressing until they are adulthood and they and they are still playing games, you know. And they're still senior. Senior is about is about is 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 about achieving stuff. But up until then, it's not. And a lot of people still seem to think it is, you know. And therein lies a bigger a, a problem, I I think as well, you know. Yeah, because that yeah. winning our competitive streak seems to come in now at about under fourteen. I see. Well, it's 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 always been there, though, Alison. Like yeah. I remember, like and look, when I was playing under twelve, you know, the competitive streak was there. But the information is there now, though, Alison. Yeah. There's kind of no excuse, though. Like the theory, the science behind it now is the more focus you have on kids improving and progressing all their skills of the game and so on, the more your focus is on that. Yeah. Instead of winning, do you know what happens, though? They have a better chance of actually winning anyway, but they'll progress through the ranks and they'll be they'll be they'll be they'll be they'll be, be continue playing. We're like I can understand why that awareness wasn't there when I was playing underage, but it's there now. Do you yeah, know what I mean? So there's no like, excuse. Like the stats is there. The more winning is important, the the more the more drop off takes place. Like, and that's the reality of it. You know. So, Timmy, yeah. great to talk to you this yeah. morning. Thanks, Alison. Just the last thing, Alison, yeah. if you don't mind. Just to go back to our thing, the romantic element, I, I, I do have to just slightly challenge you on that and I won't spend too long on it. It's just, it's more of a practical thing now. Yeah. You know, the old argument, and I, I am Republican, but the old the old argument is not as strong, though. You know, you take Brexit, like having two economic, economic things on our island, one in the EU, one out of the EU, Dealing, dealing with things like climate change, you know, dealing with the, uh, dealing with the um, COVID that we had, like you had one rule in cabin, 
Yeah. And you one rule in Fermanagh and there's only two there's only two there's only two kilometers in between them. Our ability to deal with global challenges will be hugely in enhanced by one one country, one island and one state and that's my that's the main argument that I want to say as well. It's not so much yeah. yes, I believe that the, the splitting of this island was an unjust wrong. That's my heartfelt opinion, but I believe it's a practical argument now that will also make the case for it now as well. All right? Timmy, thanks for talking to thanks, us all Alex. the best. Talk to you. Bye Bye-bye. Bye-bye. The Imro Radio Award winning tip today. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. Test drive the all new Peugeot 2008 compact SUV at Slattery's Garage, puck on. Choose from petrol, diesel, or fully electric. Slattery'sGarage.ie. Coming up in the next hour of tip today, we've had a huge reaction to our piece on attacks and referees. I'll bring you some of that in the next hour. Also, our GP Pat Harold will be joining us to advise us on keeping well this winter. Also, don't forget about our competition to win four months free membership at the Talbot Fitness Clonmel Centre at the Talbot Hotel in Clonmel. All you have to do is text Jim, followed by your name to 083 311 3311 or 1800 938 007. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie Welcome back to Tip Today this Friday morning. A lot coming in on the issue of attacks on referees just to bring you some of the texts we're getting in this morning. A listener says Timmy has a very short memory. Does he not remember roaring at refs? Also, I don't condone the abuse refs get, but when a ref is in charge of kids' games, he's also in charge of health and safety. When that's not happening, we have a problem. It's very easy to get excited on the sideline when the ref isn't doing his job properly. Also, how do you tell under-15s just to go out and have the crack and not worry about winning? What's the point in training all year to not care about winning or losing? Uh, also, great texting from listeners saying, I'm listening to the conversation about abuse, assaults and match officials. This is also happening in soccer and rugby as well as the GAA. I follow the League of Ireland and there have been 10 cases this season where match officials have been struck with objects from supporters and abused by team officials and the FAI do nothing about it. Only the other day, Bundy Aki, who's an Irish rugby international, had to be pulled away from the match official after getting sent off and kept abusing him. He got an eight-week suspension. When people see this behaviour, they think it's acceptable until such time as these offenders are dealt with with uh, dealt with severely with lifetime bans or jail sentences. These situations will continue happening. Yeah, I, I, I don't know what's gotten into Bundyaki lately. I don't know what he had to be given out about because it was a, an awful challenge he put in in that clear out. So he rightly deserved the red card. I don't know what he was given out about. Um, also on text... Uh, let's see, referees, good or bad, we need them. Also, the constant abuse they receive is ruining the game for spectators as well. Another listener says clubs need to lead the way in this. Any member who assaults a ref should get a lifetime ban. And if clubs refuse to do this, they should get a big fine and be suspended for at least 12 months. Pat says there's a simple way to stop assaults on refs and that's to suspend the offending club or clubs from all activities for a minimum a minimum of one year. An offending person's charged with assault. The GAA just do the ostrich and bury their heads in the sand, hoping the issue will go away. 
uh, bring a couple more. Intimidation going in in underage hurling for years, going on in underage hurling for years. And a minority of coaches couldn't care less which results in juvenile players dropping out. Uh, some coaches ignore the problem. But now, because it's adults being abused, uh, i.e. refs, there's noise about it, but no interest in youngsters being intimidated and called names by some of their own team. Uh, finally, this one, ban parents or have the pitches in a way that spectators can't go onto the pitch. Uh, if it's a player, regardless of age, they get a Garda record and if they want to play, then all should go well. There should be no more softly, softly approach. And you know what? I was wondering, I was at a match actually last weekend and I noticed the, the no smoking sign. A lot of pitches are bringing that in now. And I wonder... Um, and I don't mean this facetiously, but is it going to add to the aggression? You know, if you have the parent who might maybe have a quick puff, maybe to, to quell their nerves, if, they, if they're not able to do that, is it going to make them more angry? Is that going to cause a problem? Let us know. Phone lines are open. Text or WhatsApp 083 311 331 or 1800 938007. Noel is on the line with me this morning. Hiya, Noel. Hello, Alison. How are you? I'm great, Noel. Good to talk to you this morning. Good, good. Um, now, you got in contact with us. You want to raise some concerns about a car park in Thurless. Is that right? Yeah, it's the, the, the Munster Hotel car park. And, and uh, it's in a deplorable condition, just as you went through there, you know. Okay. And with potholes. And, and the problem is, it's it's used for um, <clears throat> the school buses. And, and you have a lot of kids walking in and out there. And you have a lot of... There's a... There's a uh, the shop there as well, like a chemist shop. Yeah. And you have people going to the cathedral as well. Now, there tonight, I say it will be mobbed because uh, with with the, the Celtic Brothers, I think that's on tonight, isn't that's it? That's it, yeah, it's on tonight. And and that car park will be completely over overrun, I'd say. And a, a couple of hours' work or less with a bit of time, like it would make it safe at least for tonight, you know. So what is it, Noel? Is it potholes that are there? Uh, p- uh, potholes, yeah, potholes. Uh, and they're mostly as just as you enter it, you know. Right. There's one of them there that's nearly six inches deep, I'd say. And it's there for the past months upon months. Uh, okay. And I, uh, rang the, I rang the council about it twice. Yeah. And uh, the usual crack, it's been logged and it's been logged and all this crack. So... Um, now I don't see the council uh, are, are renting that car park off of the man that owns the Munster Hotel now. Right. And as far as I'm, I'm, I'm aware, I think they're giving them about thirty grand a year for it, which is well, we don't know that I, now, and that's yeah, well, yeah. That, well, that's that's what I know. But anyway, it makes no difference what 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 he's getting, uh, he's getting for it. But either one or the council or him should be able to. Um, uh, get a couple of wheelbarrows of stuff and, and make it safe for pedestrians going in there, you know. Well, I suppose if it's maybe it's it's between two hedges, really, isn't it? So maybe it, nobody really yeah, is well, responsible well, see, for it, and that's that, the that, issue. That's the, that's the, that's the, the cop-out most, yeah. uh, most things in Ireland now because it's 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 not within our remit to do it, you know. Anyway, that's that's that off my chest. Now, another <laughs> thing I've, I've been wondering about for years, you know... <clears throat> <clears throat> Sorry. Bless you. Do you know? Do you know when the um, they they go around cutting the hedging? Yes. With the flares and they do a grand job leveling it Which off. It's prime all. time for it now. I see they're all being cut. Exactly. Yeah. But uh, when and the council are saying that it's up to the farmers to do it and they're being done. Mm. But you see, when the flares come along, they come within a foot or so of the the road signs that are in the middle of the hedges. Yeah. 
and they just lift the yoke and go to the far side from another foot and they cut on. But the bushes have grown up around the, the, the signs the whole time and they're there, they've grown the whole year and the same thing happens again the year after and the bushes are getting stronger. Well, I suppose and the it, machinery that they're using doesn't allow them to get in close around it. Isn't that the problem? I know it, and I know it doesn't. But you see, the reason those signs are there is to be legible to, to motorists. Yeah. And it's pointless having this little uh, uh, group of bushes growing up, obscuring the view. When if the councillor don't want to be involved in cutting the stuff, at least when the big cutting is done by the flails, the council should be able to come along and and get a, a long-handled loppers or something and just trim off the butts of the of the of the of the signs. And what's happening a lot, Noel? I notice as well is a lot of these road signs are just disappearing altogether. Yeah, and another thing about them is most of them are gone green from this old lichen or whatever it grows on them. Yeah, you'd imagine that the council could come along with with a long lens sprayer and even do it from the back of the truck and even even get off the truck, spray that stuff and come along with a power washer then after and, and clean it off. Yeah. Because it's pointless having these yellow warning road signs of dangerous bins ahead or something if they're gone green and they don't show up in the nighttime or anything from the from the, 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 the crotches on them, you know. Yeah. Now, there's one listener here saying, in relation to the, the car park issue you raised, he's saying, Pat is saying, get some of the bus companies using the car park to chip in and pay for the filling of the potholes. What do you think but of you, that the, idea? The chip, chip in for the... Uh, say, a, a hundred euros worth of stuff would fix it. You're right. OK, so it wouldn't you know, be that much. Not at all. It's only a small, a small job. And and uh, another thing, they're going to start now. They're going to start doing uh, uh, Bose Corner above now shortly. Yeah. And that, I think I think that's going to be an absolute disaster because there's going to be three months, and 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 you can't. I don't think you'll be able to go through there. Well, right it, it, and, yeah, it will be mayhem, Noel, mm, but it needs to be done. It, it needs to be done. But what needs to be done is. But I've said the whole time is a small roundabout put there, a flat roundabout. You needn't rip anything else out of it, only a very small bit of stuff after that. And it would have cost maybe ten or 20000 This is supposed to cost half a million. And the disruption is going to be enormous. So I, I just can't see the logic of it, you know. Yeah. So anyway. when is that starting? When is the bulls work Starting. Well, I think they're supposed to be starting any day now, as okay. far as I know. Yeah, yeah. They have to be, to be uh, flashing the sign up saying when it's going to start and how long it's going to be going on for and asking people to, to avoid using the junction. How the hell are they going to avoid getting anywhere if, if they can't go through there? You know? It'll be fairly roundabout, <clears throat> all right. Noel, great yeah. to talk to you this morning. Thanks, Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Alison. All the best. All the best. Thanks, Noel. Uh, just to give a quick mention as well, uh, another Noel, chairman of St Mary's Bingo, was in touch. They're reopening after two years since COVID. It's kicking off this weekend, this Sunday night at 8pm in Irish Town in the Hall, uh, just across from St Mary's Church. Uh, they'd love a shout out to get them started. Well, you have it, Noel and all the lads involved in that. Good luck. It's great to see you back after two years. I'm sure there'll be uh, a great crowd there and wish you all the best with it. James is on the line with us now. Hiya, James. How are you, Alton? I'm good. Good to talk to you, James. Now, you um, were in contact with us regarding these assaults on referees and the increase in assaults on referees. What's your take on it? Um, well, going back to a game we had this weekend, I suppose uh, we need referees, good or bad. Yeah. They're, they're dwindling at the moment and every, I know the referees board, Michael Kennedy is pushing hard to get new refs on board and I'd say with the carry-on at the moment, it's very hard from 
lot of young referees coming on, playing for a year or two and then leaving it like that's them with it. So it's important that we kind of give the respect the ref that they deserve, give them a chance to learn the trade. It's but, true, um, and I know that you know they don't get a lot of money for it. So to to get a lot of abuse for very little money probably isn't very enticing for anyone who's looking to become a referee. No, it's not. No, and um, we noticed there the last couple of months as well is a lot of abuse from players on the field. I think yeah. that's the only clubs need to need to try and stamp that out. Like. Uh, I wouldn't have been an angel myself now on the sideline, really, but we are doing our best here, where I'm from. Like yeah. I won't mention the club, but um, yeah, we're just going to push, trying, trying to get on, on board the referees. And a lot of people say it's the referees' fault, but like coaches don't go out and coach players to abuse referees. You know? yeah. So wherever it's coming from, or whatever kind of culture is coming into us, it has to be stamped out at club level anyway. It's and look, I think every team has their maybe one or two players who maybe are a bit mouthier than the rest of them. But you know, it, it's a hard one to jo- or a hard one to tackle because at the same time, that they're probably the ones who who boost everyone around them, and they're the ones who probably have the most passion. And you can teach passion in hurling, God knows. But you know, it, it's how to kind of channel that passion into something a bit more positive and less negative. Yeah, a couple couple of years ago, um our senior footballers brought out Derek Amatney to talk to him about the black card rule mm. and about the new advantage rule when it came in. And I thought it was a great practice. Derek put on a, a video show for them and explained the rules, explained what was a foul, what was a card, you know, how the advantage works with the referee behind the player being fouled and maybe the player being fouled wouldn't see it. And I thought it was, a good, it was a good night out. Maybe something in the future if clubs could bring in referees and talk to the players about yeah. fouls and about abuse at a younger age, like get them used to not being so verbal in the field. It's funny the comparison then when you... Uh, now, we wouldn't be involved in soccer, so I don't know a whole pile about soccer, but when you compare it with rugby and how th- there's a lot more respect, and I remember talking to a ref once and he said, you always know the rugby players playing ga because they always call the ref sir. So what what is it that they're doing in rugby that they're not doing in GAA? Uh, I don't know, but I do know that a lot of, a lot of rugby players... Um, are very vocal to GA referees as well, so maybe they think it's, it's okay to do the GA. So level. they let loose, yeah. They let loose, so I'm not sure what it is. Maybe the penalties aren't severe enough, and a lot of it is your best player is given a lot of abuse, so you don't yeah. want to see him off to feel either. And James, how long did you play for yourself? I played up to up to junior level at my own club, right? So probably up to 21, really. And would you have been a pup on the field? I know, I don't think I was, and I Good man. Maybe, maybe I was, I don't remember back that far. <laughs> But um, I'm involved with coaching now a long time in the local club here. And um, just the changes throughout the years. Like referees are losing respect. But uh, for whatever reason, I don't know. But it definitely has to be stamped out. Like I said, it is ruining it as a spectacle for spectators as well because the game is stop start constant. Yeah. And what do you think? We were talking to, to Timmy and to um, other people this morning and they were saying we need to get rid of this, the, the gang of lads behind the goals. Is, is that yeah, an issue the- for you in matches? It's a big issue because is the goalie is standing on his own, like you know, and he's getting abused and people at him. The goalie is that's an important position. Not every fellow window win to the goals either. Like, it's very yeah. important to protect him. But uh, the gangs of guys along the sideline, like a lot of clubs have a lot of people on the lines and a lot of shouting and roaring goes on. Like so. Yeah, and look, we all need to check our own behaviour because we've look. I've done it myself. I'd often be roaring at the side of a pitch too, and we've all done it. And you'd be on the way home, and you think, "Oh, what is wrong with me? Why was I behaving like that for like?" There's different, there's different types of roaring as well. There's encouragement as well, and yeah, you know, trying to get support and get behind your team, and you need that. That's the small part of the game in every sport. But 
because the abusive part of it isn't nice. Like, you know, you're standing it. beside someone who's deaf and blind and that's no good to anyone. Yeah, it's to hold on to the passion, but maybe just channel it maybe in a better way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. James, great to talk to you this morning. Thanks for calling in. No problem. No, All the fine. best. Yeah. Thanks, James. Uh, Tom in Horse and Jockey says it's of utmost urgency for the Roads Authority to clear hedge growth manually around all signs as it's a serious problem for safety. I wonder if a person was prosecuted for not obeying signage. Uh, would it be allowed as a defence that you never saw the sign? Most urgent and needs to be addressed uh, urgently. In relation to Bowes Corner, listeners says Bowes Corner will now be like the very bad job done in Tiptown at the Galbalee Road, where HGVs can't get around safely. They now force HGVs to go around clipping footpaths on the wrong side of the road. These engineers should be making roads safer, not putting in obstacles for people. Another listener pointed out Bowes Corner work started on Wednesday. Uh, so that will continue I think for about there's a, a three month timeline on that I think another listener says referee thing is like crime in general not enough of a penalty for those who abuse referees um, oh, he, oh, here's one from a listener women should be banned for matches because they do all the roaring they have to tell you I don't know about that let us know what you think 083 311 the Imro Radio Award-winning Tip Today. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. Test drive the all-new Peugeot 2008 compact SUV at Slattery's Garage, puck on. Choose from petrol, diesel or fully electric. Slattery'sGarage.ie Welcome back to Tip Today. It's a blustery and rotten morning out there, so whatever you're doing, stay safe. It's due to get better later on today, though, all going well. Uh, just continuing our conversation about attacks on referees. A listener says there's a lot of referees out there with bad eyesight and questionable parentage 80% I reckon that's according to one listener it's also up on our social media page if you want to comment on it and why these attacks seem to be on the rise uh, but speaking to Timmy Hammersley this morning he said they were always there it's just we, we hear more about them let us know what you think text or whatsapp 083 311 or Emma is standing by on the phones on 1800 Our Friday panel, of course, coming up after 11. The attacks on referees will also feature as part of that panel this week. So too will these comments made by the President's wife, Sabina Higgins, last night, where she said that women are being thrown out of hospital too soon after giving birth and they need longer. We'd love to hear your views on it. Are women too, uh, are, are thrown out of hospital. They're the word she used, thrown out of hospital too soon after giving birth. We'd love to hear your views. Give us a call or give us a text. Now, Circus Club, it's a fantastic organisation running in Clock Jordan. They offer lessons in circus acts for anyone aged 8 to 18. The club's artistic director is Joanna Williams, who joins me on the line now. Joanna, good morning. Good morning, how are you? I'm great, good to talk to you this morning. Joanna, tell us about Circus Club. I'd never heard of it before, it sounds amazing. Okay, well, we've been going for 12 years now and we meet every week on a Monday um, with a whole host of classes in St. Kieran's Hall in Clock Jordan. Um, and young people and children come to our classes from Clock Jordan, but also um, we have members who live in Bartha Kane and in Nina and Moneygall. So they come from all around the area and um, we have different classes for different age groups and different stages. So we, we have a beginner's class, which everybody does for a year, just to get the basics and the foundation and a big range of skills. And then they move on to either the junior class, which are all the primary school age children, or the 
teenage class. Um, so we play lots of games. It's all about play. It's all about having fun um, and learning through playful interaction with all the different objects. Um, and we teach a really wide range. We teach all the manipulation skills like juggling and Diablo and hat tricks and hula hoop. Um, we teach lots of balance um, skills like unicycle, stilt walking, um, tight wire, and then the kind of uh, physical acrobatic things like pyramid building, which is um, always a popular one. Wow. Nothing like making a pile of children. <laughs> <laughs> How many would you have in the pyramid? Um, well, we can get really ambitious. So we start by looking at different shapes and balances you can do with three or four people. But then we can usually find ways of joining those together. So, for example, when we do a kneeling or a box pyramid, we can have the whole class in that. And wow. we can go up to three or four layers. But we start we start gently and it's all building blocks. So we don't just leap in with everybody piling on top of each yeah. other. We kind of learn in stages and it's all about supporting each other and it's there's you know it's all about kind of risk taking but in a safe way so looking at what are all the things we do to make this safe and how can we spot each other and help each other um but at the same time maybe doing things that look quite dangerous to the outside eye um, how did it set up where was the idea to set it up where did that come from well, I um, I had lived in Belfast and in Manchester, and so I trained in circus art um, when I was in my sort of teens and twenties. And very quickly, my journey was that I got really interested in youth circus because it's an amazing tool um, and a way of working with young people, and it's amazing to see the journeys that they go on, both as a group and individually. Um, so I worked for Belfast Community Circus School for a long time and also for circus youth circus programmes in Manchester. So when I moved to Clock Jordan, um, yeah, I've always I've always run a circus class wherever I've lived. And so it was the natural thing to do to start teaching circus. And we started off really small with just those classes on a Monday. But in recent years, our programme has really expanded Um so our youth circus do loads of performances. So you've probably seen us in things like the Nina St. Patrick's Day Parade um, or the Nina Show more recently. Um, and then we we also do trips and exchanges with other youth circuses, which is really exciting. Um, and in fact, we host the National Youth Circus Gathering. So circus groups from all over Ireland come and they stay in Clock Jordan for a weekend and um, all of the halls have activities going on in them and everybody's learning circus and meeting other young people from all around the country who have an interest in circus. They come from Derry, Belfast, Galway, Cork, Dublin. So it's a, it's a really exciting weekend and it's great. Um, it's great to be our small in our small village um, hosting all of these people from around the country. But Absolutely. we visit them as well. Them. Yeah. What's great about it too, I think, you know, there's very little available for kids maybe who aren't into sports. So this is a fantastic alternative. Yes. And that's what we find a lot of young people and children who maybe aren't drawn to those more competitive yeah. physical activities um, really get on well in circus. And the great thing is that it is a physical and, and challenging physical activity, but there's a real variety of skills. So some people find themselves drawn 
maybe to the the kind of acrobatics and the and the and the pairs pyramid building others might find themselves drawn to the kind of finer manipulation skills like juggling or diablo and then there's others who like that solo challenge and and they love the, the wire walking and the unicycling and all those balance activities so yeah everyone finds their niche and finds their place and then there's the added thing that we're looking ultimately at being creative with whatever mm. everybody's learned and and creating different acts and different performances and we combine in our performance projects um we'll often combine with other art forms like puppetry or percussion or dance oh um, fantastic yeah yeah so it's, so it's very yeah, wide so ranging it is it is and um and yeah and the and the, the group all work together really well and a big thing that we instill is the whole thing of looking after each other and working together and celebrating each other's successes. So, um, so yeah, sometimes when somebody cycles the length of the room on the unicycle for the first time, the whole group will just stop and give them a little round of applause oh. and a chair, you know, even though that person, you know, there might be other people who've been coming for longer who are really, really um, very skilled on the unicycle. We still celebrate that achievement because we all know the journey that person's been on to to get there so yeah, yeah. it reminds me you've an interesting line in your brochure as well where you say that you firmly believe that circuses can have a hugely positive impact on the mental physical and creative well-being of children and young people yeah what exactly do you mean by that how how does it have that much of an effect mentally um well i think i mean this isn't just something we say we conduct evaluations um and we we get feedback from our participants from the youth workers who work with them from parents and family members um and there's academic research out there on youth circus in in a wider context as well but for example during covid we um started this outdoor wire walking project wow. which is actually a partnership with Galway Circus um, and it's a type of wire walking and balancing called phenambulism where you're holding a really long pole four meters long so great for the social distancing at the time <laughs> and, um, and it was outdoors so it was great during that time and when you're on the wire people say like all you can do is concentrate on your balance so it's described as kind of like a um, a moving mindfulness activity. Wow! Um, and and it's great for calming anxiety and um, just even the the simple achievement of eventually getting to the other side of the wire has a huge positive impact. Um, so feedback we got from young people who we were working with was things like when I was on the wire, I didn't think of my other worries or I wasn't worrying about school or different things like that and we got that feedback from young people and we got it from the adults who took part um so i think that's one of the things yeah um and i think as well for young people learning these things and then taking them in into a performance context then you have the really positive thing of members of your community cheering you on praising you seeing you in a new light maybe as somebody who can do something extraordinary and um and that all has positive impacts um, for young people, I think. Are, are you the only club of, of your kind in Tipperary? Yeah, in the Midlands, actually. Wow. Um, so there's other youth circus projects in the cities that I've just talked about, mm. in Galway and in Cork um, and in Dublin. But 
Yeah, and and after Galway Youth Circus, we're the longest established project. Oh, well um, done. Yeah, so, um, and it's great being part of that community um, because it's a really supportive one. The or, You know, the organisations who run these projects take on board all that stuff around team building and supporting each other. And, and we're supportive of each other and we're always looking for ways to work together. Um, so, so, yeah, it's a great community to be part of as well. Are you um, completely self-funded then? Do you receive any sports funding or anything like that? Um, so we, the, we've we always been supported um, by the Tipperary Arts Office. Okay. Um, and um, they gave us little bits of seed funding in the early days and they've supported our, our work right through our journey where now we're providing programmes for Youth Work Ireland and Froga, and we're not just running the classes on a Monday now. We we're we're running partnership projects um, with various youth organisations, um, where we might be working with a group of young people in Templemore or in Rothcray for eight weeks or ten weeks at a time. Um, and and like I say, we have our performance projects and lots of trips and exchanges and and partner projects happening. But yeah, we're supported. And then we're supported um, for the last two years by Arts Council, um, by the Ireland Fund, by Bank of Ireland Begin Together Fund. So lots of different ways that we get funding. And and the reason for that is to make these activities accessible and Mm. affordable for the young people at the point of access. And Um, Joanna, what age um, demographic do do you train? Um, so at the moment, um, our Monday classes are for ages eight and upwards, and the classes cost six euro for the beginners class and eight euro for the um, junior and teen classes. But like I say, because of our funding, that's already a heavily subsidised um, cost. But yeah. we are also able to offer some bursaries to members, um, who so that we, kind of our big aim is so that. Um, finance is never a barrier mm. to taking part um, and but we also at the moment I'm doing some early years sessions with two local creches so oh wow um, yeah I'd say it's like herding kittens is it <laughs> well <laughs> let's say it's a circus for sure <laughs> <laughs> oh it sounds amazing and I wish you all the best with it I'm sure you, I mean you. you have a decade under your belt now with it so you're doing amazing work there for anyone maybe who's looking to get more information or to get involved how can they do that well they, they're more than welcome to come to our classes so we do have room in our beginners classes at the moment um, which is from 4 till 5 on a Monday in Clock Jordan in St Kieran's Hall as I said and if they're interested in getting involved if they have a look on our website which is um, clockjordancircusclub.ie um, they'll, they'll be able to click around and find all the information um, and there's a phone number and an email address on the website. So I think clockjordancircusclub.ie and you'll find all the information you need to get in touch and we're definitely welcoming new members at the moment so we'd love to hear from people if it's something they'd be interested in. Joanna, great to talk to you this morning. Wish you all the best with it and everyone involved. Thanks very much, Louise. Thanks, Joanna. That's Joanna Williams there from uh, Clark Jordan Circus Club. Still text coming in on the attacks on referees, just to bring you a couple of them before the ad break. 
Uh, listener on WhatsApp says, I 100% do not agree on the abuse refs get and I've actually felt sorry for the abuse they get standing alone in the middle of the field. But let's call a spade a spade. Some of their decisions are just shocking and they're not consistent with their yellow cards or name-taking, etc. That's what causes the problems on the sideline and is so frustrating for management and coaches who've given up so much to train and mentor kids and for a ref to basically be totally one-sided um, and unfortunately can be extremely obvious from the start of the game and that's a fact. Also from the other side, a text in, I'm a referee for the last 15 years and yes the abuse is getting worse but in my opinion the biggest problem is that a lot of the players, mentors and supporters haven't a clue about the rules. No matter what decisions you make, you're wrong with one side or the other because it's against their team. I've never seen a referee going out to deliberately do a team as some of your contributors are saying. I would say most of their teams were beaten and of course it's the ref's fault they got beaten, nothing to do with the fact they may have given away a load of frees or hit a lot of wides. There you go. Let us know what you think. 083 311 We're back after this. If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call TIP today on 1-800-938-007. Welcome back to TIP Today. Just a reminder that the nominations for the best of TIP Awards close tonight. So be sure to get your nominations in, guys. Go on the website, tipfm.com, and it will direct you from their huge response so far. So keep it going. Those uh, um, The deadline is tonight, so it will be closed from tonight onwards. So try and get in before then. Don joins me on the line now. Don, good morning to you. Good morning, Ali. Thanks for having me on. Always a pleasure, Don. Thanks for talking to us. You contacted us about an experience you had recently trying to get support for an elderly gentleman. Now, very convoluted and disgraceful experience, really. Could you tell us about it? What happened? Of course I can. Um, I have a wonderful 92-year-old gentleman who lives 14 miles from me. Um, I'm going to call him Tom. That's not his real name. I'm going to call him Tom. But I got to know Tom during COVID when I'd pop in a few times each week. And in early June of this year, I noticed one of those white enamel buckets. Do you remember those old white yeah. enamel buckets that every house had um, sitting in the corner of his kitchen? It was filled with water and his milk and his butter went bobbing up and down in it trying to keep it cool. He told me his fridge had stopped working in February of this year. Oh my God. And how old is Tom? 92. 92. Living on his own, 92. Now, I heard on your, on your radio station about this ENP, Exceptional Needs Payment, which is available through, um, to cover emergencies through your welfare offices. Yeah. Office. So... In very early June, I visited the community welfare officer at the local welfare, at Tom's local welfare office, and I explained the situation to her, but she informed me that I could not apply on Tom's behalf for this ENP payment. He had to attend in person. Now, the community welfare officer is only available for four hours once every week. So I got in my car, raced over to Tom's, got him in the car, brought him straight back, sat in front of the CWO lady, and we again explained everything to him, mm. uh, to her rather. Now, she said that he would need... Um, she asked him two questions, basically. I said, in my opinion, a waste of time bringing poor Tom in. 
she asked him, are you finding it difficult to cope without a fridge? Of course he was finding it difficult. Um, The second question she asked was, did he have any family members who might be able to assist him? When Tom explained he had a 64-year-old son who lived hundreds and hundreds of miles away, so he was on his own. She then handed poor Tom a stack of paperwork, paperwork for him to take away, read and complete before sending off. She told him he would also need to provide an engineer's report confirming the appliance was beyond economic repair. For a fridge, an engineer's for report. A fridge. For a, an engineer's report confirming it was beyond economic repair, Tom said the fridge was at least 22, 25 years old. But he would also have to provide a letter from a hardware store or some provider confirming that they could have, um, provide a new appliance at whatever cost. How much would an engineer's report cost? It should have cost €85, Euro, but he only charged Tom €60, Euros, which was very nice of him, actually, because of Tom's age, I suppose. Um, That's ridiculous. An engineer's report for a fridge. For a fridge, absolutely. And he also had to include a a recent bank statement. We did all that, got it in the post that same week and sat and waited. Eight weeks passed without hearing anything from the CWO. Now, I was making numerous phone calls at least twice each week and I got the same response every time. Um, It's being dealt with. We'll be in touch. But nobody ever, ever got in touch with either myself or Tom. And now, of course, if you remember, we were into that lovely hot spell of weather. Oh, God, poor Tom. Yeah, poor Tom, absolutely. So um, with eight weeks gone, um, we assumed that Tom's application was unsuccessful and we felt the least they could do was to either ring me or Tom and say, sorry, but we can't help you. Yeah. Um, So a couple of friends and myself clubbed together and we bought Tom a fridge. Fair play to you, Don. The least we could do is it's it's people like Tom who fought for this country, got this country, kept this country on its feet, so it's the very least we could do. Um, uh, it, it didn't cost a lot, Ali, to be perfectly honest, between the three of us, it didn't cost a lot at all. But it took almost 13 weeks to the day when last Monday, the 26th of this month, Tom received a brown envelope with a half logo on it. And he rang me, concerned, worried, will I pop over, tell him what it was all about. So I went over, read the letter, and it was from the CWO office. The letter was dated the 22nd of September, almost 13 weeks to the day when we first applied, confirming that his application for the exceptional needs payment had been successful and the payment would arrive into his bank within four working days. They'd given him 206, sorry, 209 euros towards a new appliance because they didn't, they wouldn't pay VAT, but that's okay. They won't pay VAT? No, because VAT is... Uh, who gets VAT? Not you or I. The government do. And the welfare people is the government department. They don't pay VAT on, on this kind of thing, I was told. So they gave him €209. Euros. It costs more than that, but yeah. nevertheless. Plus, they gave him the €60 euro back for the engineer's report. So he got a total of €269, euro, which 
Tom was absolutely over the moon. He's very confused because we never told Tom, we still haven't told him that we purchased the fridge for him. Oh. And now poor Tom is going to, I don't know if he, I'm hoping he doesn't check, check his bank regularly and see this 269 and then start asking me questions. What's this? Where did it come from? But 13 weeks, it's ridiculous. I do wonder, Ali, that if Tom had been looking for this payment for an urgent ESB bill, yeah. a gas bill, a phone bill, he probably would have got disconnected in that long period because, you know, he's 92 years of age. Why can't we, why don't we have a process in place here in this country of ours where our most vulnerable, our most deserving citizens are properly cared for? Mm. And why would you ask a 92-year-old man to fill out a stack of paperwork, get an engineer's report? That's ridiculous. 92 years of age. Ali, if I hadn't seen it with my own eyes, I'd probably be like you. I'd probably be thinking, hmm, is this, is, this, is this correct? But absolutely. 92 years of age and a stack of paperwork to read and a five, five pages, mainly tick boxes, that he had to fill in. Now, at 92, you can imagine Tom's eyesight's not the best, so between the two, we got there anyway. But it's not even but, that, though, Don. Like, that, 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 you know, that, that age of people, you know, uh, 92 years of age, he's probably a very proud man who's never had to ask for anything, but yet he's meant to feel like he has to beg for the price of a fridge. Well, on the way back from the scene, the community welfare officer... Um, he wasn't too happy with me because until he sat in front of the CWO lady, he really didn't know where I was taking him and why we were going in there. Yeah. And he told he told me in no uncertain terms that he would have preferred if we didn't go through that process because, as you say, very, very proud man is Tom. Um, <clears throat> doesn't look for handouts, doesn't want handouts. Uh, the other problem I got very quickly, Ali, I yeah. know you're coming towards your news, um, Tom has a 43 euros a month mobile phone contract, and I've been trying to get him out of that contract. But they won't let him. There's 15 months to run. They want a, a, a full payment of 580 euros to pay up the contract. And if he cuts the contract short, <coughs> there'll be the 580 outstanding plus the phone provider's cost. So, oh, my um, God. It's ridiculous. It really is. Absolutely ridiculous. But on the plus side, at least he got his um, exceptional needs payment. And very quickly before I go, yeah. can, I, can I quickly mention Super Value, Bernie Super Value in Ross Grey? Because they have been wonderful, are still being wonderful to Tom. They deliver his groceries once or twice a week. And they don't just drop him at the doorstep and run. They take him inside take the groceries inside, put him in the cupboards, put the milk and butter in the fridge for him, um, pick his checkup, and he's off. They've been absolutely wonderful. And hats off to Super Value, Ross Gray. And well done to you, Don. God bless you. If, if you didn't have you, I don't know what, what would have happened. Thanks so much for talking to us this morning. You're very welcome, Ali. All take the care best, Don. God, Bye-bye. isn't it a sad indictment how some government organisations treat the vulnerable in this country? Let us know what you think. 83 311 1300 938 007. Tip today.
with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Welcome back to Tip Today. Just a final reminder as well of our competition. Your last chance to enter. We're giving you a chance to win four months free leisure membership at the Talbot Leisure Centre at the Talbot Hotel in Clonmel. Just text Jim, followed by your name and where you are in the county to text or WhatsApp 083 311 We'll be announcing the winner just before the end of the show at 12 noon today. Now it's that time of a Friday. Delighted to be joined in studio by our panel this week. Rachel Woodlock, lecturer at UCC. Joe Leahy, founder of Seesaw and Clonmel. And Noel Buckley, former secondary school teacher. Good morning to you all and welcome. Good morning, Good morning, Good morning. Ellie. Morning. Beautiful morning. <laughs> Beautiful morning. <laughs> Winter is officially here. There's no more summer. It's, it's all gone. gone. It's gone till next ah, year. We'll be back tomorrow, Sonny, you know. <laughs> oh, you're very optimistic. No drop of rain. And, <laughs> and you know what really signals winter in this country is budget. And by God, yeah. we got a budget this week. Mm. Um, mixed reaction, I must say, from listeners this week. Some saying they were very happy with it. They got a little bit that will maybe carry them over into the next year. Other people saying it wasn't enough and it was just breadcrumbs for everybody, essentially. If I could start with you, Noel, maybe. What was your take on this year's budget? Well, I suppose if it was, in inverted commas, a normal year, it was a giveaway budget. Uh, people would have been very happy, but I suppose people are looking through the lens of uh, increasing oil prices, um, increasing food costs and so on. And uh, this winter and the year ahead is very unpredictable. And particularly for people with, with budgets that are tied, like people on the old age pension and so on and uh, as prices increase there's there's very little slack if you're on a tight budget or people on low wages so there's very little flexibility um yeah everybody got everybody got something but i think everybody would equally argue they didn't get enough for the challenge that lies ahead that would be uh, my thinking and i i pity would say for instance as a teacher it's great to see free books coming in uh, for primary. It's long overdue. Most European countries have had it. But it's a pity it wasn't also addressed to secondary school students. That's the thing. Was primary the easy option? Primary was the easy option. Yeah. Yeah. As any parent will know out there, if you have students going to secondary school, and sometimes a family will have two or three students in secondary school at the same time. I, I, I... I think parents need to get onto the politicians and challenge them to move it on to secondary next year, because what is in danger? And if you, even secondary education wasn't really addressed at all in the budget, that's true. Uh, the pupil-teacher ratio was uh, reduced for primary, and I'm not. Don't get me wrong. I'm not begrudging primary. Anything that will enhance the quality of education our children gets is to be welcomed, but it needs to become universal across the board. And uh, of course, uh, moving on on the student level. I'm hearing so many sad stories of students who have got places in college but can't afford or get a place to live. There was one uh, tweet yesterday from a a person who had got a place but was told by the landlord that they'd have to share a double bed with a total stranger. With a total stranger. Horrendous. Other students having to live in a car and yesterday people would have heard on the social media a lecture in Trinity College having to stay in a hostel Mm. because he cannot get a place. Where are we going as a society? 
in in this budget, really, the whole issue of 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 housing supply and and addressing the challenge of housing wasn't really top priority. Even the vacant property tax they brought in, it has so many loopholes in it to get out of jail. Yeah. It will not be effective compared to European countries now. Some European countries, I think, I don't know, is it Holland or Denmark? If you have a property idle for six months, there's a five thousand fine. The next six months is ten thousand euros. And then the concrete levy, which seems the concrete to totally levy, go which I mean, everybody. I, yesterday, I was talking to somebody who had put an interest in in a, a housing development in Dublin. They were told all the first phase was gone, so they registered their interest for the second phase. When the second phase came along, it was gone up ninety thousand. Wow. 90,000 euros. So you could be a neighbour to somebody who had paid 90,000 less. Where are we going as a society when the ordinary person, the people that help society function, teachers, guardies, civil servants, health workers and so on, cannot afford to live in the areas that need those services. And a lot of those areas are major urban centres. So it is a challenge I I, I did not see being adequately addressed in this budget. Rachel, was there anything Mm. you felt was left out in this budget? Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Got time for that. (laughs) No, I think that um, I agree with Noel. And it's it's really when when you are already, um, you know, counting all your your cents and your euros and you're already trying to make this stretch here and this stretch there that there is just no room for the unpredictability the unpredictability of things like when the 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 oil prices suddenly hike you know straight up and there are a couple of hundred euros extra to get your oil tank filled and and you don't have that extra couple of hundred just yeah. now we've got the the fuel allowance the, the and the um the credit coming in but at the same time, you know, there's people who are living paycheck to paycheck mm. and they need the money straight away and they need to be able to try and figure out how they're going to pay their bills. And the other thing too is like the, the cost of, of food and just your, your grocery shopping has just absolutely everything has gone up. Yeah. You know, I, I go to the shops and I it's it's the mental shock of it too because it's happened quite quickly. Yeah. Like we don't tend to notice the slow gradual price rises over many years. But I'm going now and I'm doing my shopping and I'm, I'm pretty savvy. I like to look at the labels. I like to try and figure out the cost unit price. You know, you say, okay, this is, you know, X amount for 100 grams versus this, right? Okay, so this is a better... I I tend to do that. So, you know, I'm looking at it and I'm thinking it was only a couple of months ago that this was €1.60 and now it's €2.90. And, you know, like I can't figure out, you know, it's a massive difference. So... You're definitely paying about, I reckon, about 40 or 50 euros more. More. Yeah. Yeah. And for a lot of people, and it seems facile to say, well, you know, make it, you know, have more beans in your meals and less meat. And uh, but people are already doing that. You know, Mm. what stretch have they got? So, in terms of missing areas in the budget, I do, I really do worry for those who are really living paycheck to paycheck. Um, There's some really good things, as Niall said. It would been would have seemed like a really generous budget in you know a few years ago. Would have been wow, oh gee, we're doing well. But you know, it's a little bit of a dribble enough to kind of you know, maybe make the mosquito itch go away for a, for five minutes, but, but then it's going to come back again when we have the next oil price increase or we have the next, you know, the loaves of bread and the milk goes up because we haven't got the wheat and mm. it all starts to creep up again. But, mm. Joe, I mean, when, when you came in, we were having a laugh even. We were joking about the competition of who's going to keep the heat off the longest. I mean, that's where we're at now. You're trying to keep the heat off for as long as you can and if you can at all, hold out till November. 
Yeah, but before we go there, what I was very disappointed now, and I'm serious about this, extremely disappointed, is that the Friday panel didn't get a lump sum payment. <laughs> disgraceful. <laughs> I think it was absolutely and disgraceful. And all the lobbying you know? we did. And all the lobbying we did, yeah. And I think, you know, that's something that has to be addressed going forward, as that's say. And a serious note, though. Yeah, I can... You see, we're in a strange society, I suppose. Um, it depends, I suppose, what age you are. If you're a certain age, you came from a background that saw the rationing taking place. I don't mean the ration rations. I mean the turn off the light, the yeah. this, the that, yeah. the other Then we came through a phase, like, you know, where it, there was no televisions. Then there was one television. Now you're going to house there's three or four televisions. Yeah. It's 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 One a big it's, it's a big shock to say turn off the light, turn off this, turn off that, turn off that. But that's where we are. Yeah. And hence, you know, do we light the fire? Do we not light the fire? You know, I saw listened to an ad yesterday where there was a certain uh, licensed premise in Dublin given some kind of allowance on Tuesdays. You get so that's much right. off a meal if you wear your coat. Yeah. You know, this is the ridiculousness we're going to. I think businesses. I think they're going to be under immense pressure. Some of them, especially the smaller places, you know, that sell the one or two products, mm. how they're going to stay open with the cost of electricity, you know. And Could in this, you imagine being a business owner and getting a bill of 20 grand for yeah. electricity? Oh, yeah. I, sp- I spoke to someone there recently and, you know, they opened a business there a number of years ago. Now, not around here, but they opened a business a number of years ago and their ESB bill, like for the year, their energy bill for the year was around five grand. Oh. And they reckon that was in 2015, 16. And now they reckon this year it'll be somewhere between... 35 and 40. My God. Now, like how, like they, and you must, you must remember now, and I'm not, please don't anyone, you know, text in and say I'm diminishing anything. I'm not. But when you look at the entitlements of wages, the entitlements employees, which they're entitled to legally and should get good wages, solid wages, should get contracts, I'm all for that. But how does the business actually keep going when you have all these things Mm. increasing, increasing, increasing. And everything is being passed on then to the customer. And what's going to happen? It has to happen. The customer can't yeah, uh, stump up it. for all these things. You can't be paying the extra, you know, the coffee gone up a euro over the past three or four, uh, over the past three or four months. You can't keep affording this stuff. Yeah. And this is going to happen and people are going to stop Instead of having a cup of coffee, you know, three cups of coffee a day, they'll cut back to two. Instead of having ten cups of coffee a day, they're going back to four or five. And you're going to cut back and cut back. You know, the Sunday drive, these kind of things, they're all going to be gone out the window yeah. because you'll need the the juice in the tank for something else. And this is the reality. And um it's it's going to be a tough it's going to be a tough enough time. And I'm not sending out the frighteners, you know, I was saying it there to Rachel before we come in, you know, your health is your wealth the end of the day it's when you true. get an owl when you get an owl kick there and the you know what you know your health comes back to priority and all of a sudden you say well look if the health holds up we won't be doing too bad but I think people are going to worry a hell of a lot and I think it's going to cause an awful lot of mm. stress and problems yeah. to people you know they'll worry will they this not to mention what Noel has said there like you know if you have a couple of kids going to college if you have kids trying to get a house together trying to do all that Mother of God. Yeah. And when you come to the cement block issue, you know, I have a big bear bug in that. Like, you know, engineers somewhere passed all these houses for mortgage companies mm. to give the mortgages. Why can't they be chased up? Exactly. They all should have had insurance. The mortgage company should have had insurance. What's why sure bond there for? If, what's if sure bond there for? And yeah. why can't that be called in? Yeah. Why has it been passed back to the... The, the Joe Soap in the middle of the street in, into this central fund all the time. And what it does when, then is creates division between the taxpayer and the poor people who are affected by MICA because now it's the taxpayer that has to pay for it when it shouldn't be the taxpayer at all. Correct. Mm. And is that then going to put a damper on 
on the voice of the people that were suffering by yes. this because they're now in competition with it has shifted the blame now we're paying for your misfortune mm. and taking it away why can't the people who uh, signed off on these things had insurance and said this product was okay the mortgage companies will give out the loans on this product why can't they pay up for the false product yeah. that was produced or the, the not false product but the, the wrong product defective. that was yeah. the and defective that, that product that kind yeah. of division and finding blame Noel we're seeing that a lot when it comes to Ukrainian refugees now as well because it's all well well, how can we have so much money to give to them and sure look at us we've nothing whereas it's taking the focus away from where the fault really is yeah well I suppose in this country we're great at making regulations uh, we have reams of uh, books on regulations for this that and the other and I was involved in project managing a job um, a couple of years ago and everybody had to sign off but there was nobody coming in to inspect ranging from fire doors down in other words the government who's the regulator has no inspectors uh, local councils and corporations before had people who came out I remember in farming and I a kid like my father uh, there was an agricultural inspector who came around every so often and your milk had to be up to a yeah. certain standard your milking facilities had to be up to a certain standard and they were aware that they were coming around and they had to meet those targets and if you didn't meet them you were given a three month phase none of that is happening that's why we have so many of these defective apartments what the government is doing is called pass the book uh, the architectural science sign off and the engineers sign off of it and therefore because they've signed off on it it's okay and now unfortunate people who have spent fortunes buying apartments and so on are finding defective fire doors this that and the other and having to pay fortunes out so nobody is held accountable in this country Mm. Uh, we're we're brilliant at making a regulation for this, that and the other but there's no holding to account and uh, the one thing I would appeal to people is um, in terms of we are facing the perfect storm in terms of increasing prices and so on and, and the cold of winter coming but what we need is solidarity Mm. not a nose versus them and how can we all help each other Mm. get through this crisis it would be Putin's dream that Mm. European countries would start fighting each other over scarce resources let's help each other out uh, in this and you know like unfortunately uh, the big buys the big companies sometimes uh, they're taking advantage of a crisis there's no such of thing course. as a crisis that's a disaster for people with money we saw that mm. in, in the crash in 2008 the people with money were able to buy property at rates mm. the ordinary individual couldn't even dream of getting now so I mean uh, you know People talk about the way milk and butter has increased, but there, I know one major milk supplier who went around a year ago to farmers and locked farmers in for two years at a price that where the farmer that isn't locked in now is getting double that money. So you can imagine that poor farmer who's locked in and input costs haven't gone up. The only winner there is the large milk supplier. Yeah. The, that's the story of history yeah. uh, where, where you have enough of the regular population the, 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 the vast majority of people who actually you know, live and make the society run um, when you have enough of those people who really suffer and are squeezed that's when you get revolutions yeah. that's, and it's the same old story over and over again if we really want to have a stable prosperous, prosperous society we have to put in place safeguards to make sure that the wealth isn't trickled up to the 
top and held by the, the, the few and that we have that solidarity that we care for each other and we look after each other and we I mean we, we, we invest in helping refugees overseas and here because it is actually in our long term I mean I know it seems strange but it's in our long term interests to make sure that we try and promote peace and stability in various regions well, because why it will it blow back to us. Rachel, that's my issue why is it so selective why aren't we helping mm. Palestinians why mm, aren't we helping people in Yemen I know I, for me I was trying to figure out I was trying to do a bit of research to see are there some sort of hidden kickbacks that are coming to small countries like us I mean really Ireland is not I mean it's the most I love it here it's the most brilliant country I wouldn't live anywhere else for the world but we're not a global player really no not really. We're, 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 we're very famous we're well known everybody loves us but we're not a big chess piece yeah um, why is it then you know why would a small country like us be you know um, involved in helping aid and so on and I'm thinking there must be some kickbacks coming from the EU or there must be some underlying you know deal being done yeah. to say if, you know but I, but I think though in fairness Rachel I think though when you took it there like a few years ago like when we needed the trike to come in and we needed like when our backs were mm. to the wall mm. like Whatever the reasons were that our backs were to the wall, like Park, we could be that at that for years, but our backs were to the wall at a stage. Yeah. We were able to knock on the big doors and we were able to get the help. Now, agree mm. or disagree, we could we could do that. I think an awful lot of that has got to do with the kind of a country we are, the kind of a friendly nation mm. we are and the oh, kind yeah. of hospitality we yeah. show and do all that kind of thing. Um, I think where the test is going to be now is, you know, if, if, if I'm not saying there won't be, but if there was a headline tomorrow morning that we're now getting in uh, 10,000, Russian refugees. Mm. No, that's the See, test. And that's what I wondered too. I mean, obviously there's people in Russia who are, are victims of this yeah. war yes, as well. Correct. Why aren't we helping them? Yeah, or if people want to um, flee the, this... Um, regime. This regime. Yeah. Or if people want to flee this army conscription or whatever you call it over there, if they want to flee that, will we be as open to them as that, we have but been. that's what I'm saying. It's a PR game, you see. I think, I think, in terms of what EU wants to project against Russia, you know, the big the big players in the EU and in, mm. in the states want to project against Russia is solidarity for the Ukrainians, which I'm absolutely for. Don't get me wrong. I'm I'm absolutely think yeah. that is horrendous. This Putin's war, um, but you know, it's a PR game, and Ireland is is. You know, we're, the reason why we're being encouraged to take in Ukrainian refugees and not Russian refugees is because it looked good for EU optics to yeah. do that. Noel, quickly before ad break. Yeah, uh, what I would just say is, um, you know, like I suppose the thing about Ukraine is it's on Europe's doorstep. So there's almost a vested self-interest because in a way what happens in Ukraine, whether it succeeds or fails from the Russian point of view, is a threat to the whole of Europe. So it's almost self-interest and it's in Europe's interest to support the Ukrainian people in fighting this war because if they lose... Europe is in danger of losing long term as well and you have wider insecurity. Um, but I, 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 again I come back, if you look at all the support groups out there that are supporting various uh, groups around the world, you have groups supporting the Palestinians here, there's a lot being done. I suppose the major news focus at the moment mm. is on the Ukrainians yeah. mm. and whether we like it or not from the point of view of our history, we've gone, 70 million of us have gone to countries around the world and cousin of mine who was a, a diplomat matter around the world said one of the beautiful thing about being an Irish diplomat is you have an open door everywhere yeah. because we and from the point of view of our clergy and religious who went out yeah. serving countries in well, the we third world. we had to world, work for it Noel, we didn't we, get it. No we us. didn't and we suffered the same victimhood 
in many countries, if you look at the early history of emigration, the Irish were the same as the blacks, yeah. treated unbelievably cruelly. And we do not want to visit that on anybody who comes to our door knocking. Okay. But there is just one thing before you go. There's yeah. one thing I would say as well. You know the way every year there you hear people coming out every so often like shop local and shop local. Yeah. And I think now with these price rises with inflation, I think now is the real time that we need to support our own and mm. we need to shop local and we need to think of the local people, the employment that local is given and I think we need to really focus on local. Okay, mm. we're back after the break. We're going to talk about a tax on referees. That's coming up. The Imro Radio Award-winning tip today. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. Test drive the all-new Peugeot 2008 compact SUV at Slattery's Garage, puck on. Choose from petrol, diesel or fully electric. Slattery'sGarage.ie Welcome back to Tip Today and our Friday panel with Rachel, Noel and Joe. We're going to turn now to a topic that's dominated discussion this morning and that's the increase in attacks on referees, particularly in GAA. It follows uh, Matt in Wexford this week, an under-12s match that had to be abandoned because of abuse directed to referees. Another one in Waterford last week, which was an under-17s game, and a referee was physically assaulted during a game in County Roscommon, an intermediates match about three weeks ago. Noel, if I could start with you on this, why why are we seeing an increase? We spoke to Timmy Hammersley this morning. He said there's no real increase. It's just we hear about them more. Is that something you'd agree with? Yeah, I think I think historically it has always been there. And I, I suppose you have to bear a factor in mind now as well compared to 10, 15 years ago. There's a lot more games. Mm. Uh, GA clubs now have a, have a huge engagement with the local community and a lot more teams. And it's great. You have, you have, you have females getting involved now in, in football and horse and camogie and so on as well so you have a lot more games you also probably have a lot more people attending especially when they're younger and and very often parents do from the sideline I suppose very often having been a former chairman of St Mary's um, parents often ha- try to see their dreams fulfilled through their kid and I often pity the poor kid maybe who hasn't the ability that the parent envisages their kid have and given out to them and, yeah. and doesn't doesn't allow their confidence. But they're certainly increasing and I suppose the media now is highlighting it would have been known by about locally in the past, but now it's known nationally. We're hearing about Instant Wexford, Waterford, Roscommon and mm. so on, and here into Prairie down the years. Uh, it's an unacceptable culture that is developing and the GA has been lax uh, in terms of addressing it down the years because... The rule book, and I've sat on on, on various organisations where you're governed by rule, but interpreting the GA rule book, uh, you can find a get out of jail clause in every one of the rules. Um, yeah. in the way it's structured. Right. Uh, so somebody can argue and, and um, hearings committee are often faced with that dilemma. And I think the punishments need to be handed out. And there is a huge debate in the GA at the moment about the lack of referees. Because if you look at the age profile of a lot of our referees, uh, they're much older. And there isn't a younger generation of referees coming. And and a lot of people looking on would say, why would you put yourself into that melt pot in the first place? And until the GA gets a serious grip on this and address it, 
uh, you won't encourage younger people to come along and take on that refereeing role. And for our games to operate successfully, a lot of people admire the rugby, particularly at national level. They will see the respect for the referee. The referee talks to the captain if he wants to address an issue in the team and the captain is told, pull your buys back into line yeah. and so on. And it's pretty strict and pretty regulated. Mm. But uh, unfortunately, in the GA, there isn't that same strictness. And okay, you'll always have the competition from the sideline and the smart comments in from the sideline. But as one referee said to me, the policing area from your point of view as a referee is what happens inside the white lines. And if you can control and manage that. Now, sometimes it has to be said the quality of refereeing maybe at some games isn't up to the standard that's needed. But I suppose that arises from the fact that there isn't a huge pool of referees you have to pull out of there. And the competitions controls group who are f- making the fixtures, very often that's their nightmare. Yeah. How do we find X amount of referees for so many games that are on this weekend. I've heard as well that there are some refs who refuse to referee matches at certain clubs because of abuse. Yeah, some clubs, some clubs, in fairness, have acquired a reputation. Uh, and I, I, I saw it myself when I was chairman of St Mary's. There were some clubs you dreaded meeting because you knew inevitably you were in danger of getting a player sent off because of the frustration that would build up in the game, the aggressiveness and so on. And mentors have a role to play here, especially in the culture you create among young people when they're entering the game. Yeah. In the past in particular, and, and the GA has been trying to get that idea of give respect, get respect. But in the past, very often, the attitude was go out and butcher your opponent. And when you're, you often see it when a, a player, a sub comes in the field, the first thing that happens is a piece of aggression between the guy he's marking and the newcomer yeah. and a few bells like here and there poking around say, yeah. yeah like young bulls meeting yeah. each other marking territory. And uh, that sends a signal out that if I want to be a great player, I have to be aggressive. Be aggressive, yeah. Rachel, as as visitor <laughs> to the sport, let's say, what do you make of it? Do you think we're animals? Uh, oh, God, no. Have you seen Aussie rules? That's true. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's true. Um, I, I just think that they need to have a zero tolerance and they need to start banning people, mm. like, straight away. And, like, you know, GoPro cameras are pretty cheap these days. Mm. You know, they're not expensive. And if a parent or a or a club, club fan or anybody... Um, has uh, you know is is attacks anybody but especially the refugees and the players then absolutely they need referees to... sorry referees the refugees <laughs> just in no, case. Did I say referees just be careful <laughs> well, we don't to... condone no. attacking referees or refugees no they need to they need to be banned absolutely yeah. and chuck because it's only the fear of actual consequences that will stop this yeah i mean i can understand people are kind of letting out and there is a difference between you know you're standing on the sidelines and you're going oh you're blind you're you know you don't know what you're seeing but there's another thing when we're talking about physical attacks and yeah. we're talking about threatening mm. you know actual threatening of bodily harm that that's a completely different kettle, kettle fish altogether what do you think should be done then there's some people listeners saying today that if you assault a listener just said there if you assault someone on the street they get arrested absolutely. but not in the ga field why oh, is it they should, yeah absolutely at the very least they should be banned and and if it really is a physical attack they need to be having faces from charges from the guardie it's it's absolutely but the problem the problem problem on the charges we say if, some, if a referee is physically attacked is the person that is ta- attacked has to agree to press the charges. The guardee cannot What the referees won't, won't And to. a lot of referees won't and I suppose people are so entwined in their local community Yeah. Uh, but and that's part of the problem as well 
Yeah, I didn't think of that. Yeah. And listener also says um, we we need to take a lesson from rugby referees. Excellent discipline. Mar- matches are also quicker. Um, hurling should have two refs. And and what you said about rugby having more respect, it brings me get back to a game I was at in Burr. I think it was probably the first rugby game of the season. My young lad was playing it, and I totally forgot myself and thought it was at a GA match and let out a roar. <laughs> and everyone looked at me like, "What <gasps> the hell do you think you oh, are?" Was, like was... the difference in the sport. It's like is being in the tennis. <laughs> No, yeah. Not, oh God, no! You've got to have. You can't but be I, saying anything. But I think, though, if we're to look at it, like, yeah, like assaults on referees in any code should yeah. be banned. Yeah. But yeah. you also and should be they should be severely dealt with, but dealt with firmly. Like if there's like if I'm banned for you know fifty weeks or whatever it is or sixty nine or whatever the magical number is, then I need to be. How do you enforce that rule that I'm kept away from all matches and can't attend any ground anywhere? How can that be enforced? Yeah. The reality is it's not enforced. That's call a spade a spade. We can say so-and-so got this or so-and-so got That never happened. Like, it happens on paper. But you're three weeks after you see this individual showing up at the game and does anyone stop? No, no, no. And that is because of the system that we inherited. Yeah. Now, I'll also level the playing pitch like as well by saying... Mother of God, like some referees are absolutely atrocious. Like I've seen referees, you know, and they go around in the, in the centre circle at a GA match, you know, and they won't walk five yards left or right and they call the full back or the full forward, you know, to come down 30 yards to meet him. In the centre. And all this goes on, like, and they're an absolute embarrassment to anything. And yes, I can see Noel's point, we haven't enough. I think the way it's working, I think if we took a bit of firm action on the people that do the wrongs, I think then there'd be more respect gained from both sides. Yeah. But I think there's a huge difference between the banter that goes on and the, the, the slagging that goes on and whatever else on the sideline and the roaring and the shouting. I think when it goes to physical, mm. I think everything else should go a level above as well. And I think that has to be dealt with properly. Mm. And I think it should be dealt with properly. And I think, you know, I can understand Noel's point like, right, you know, whereas that the, the person that's assaulted, Joe must make the complaint and Joe must follow it through. And Joe then is living in the rural area and Joe's sister is married to this, her brother is married to that and all the community gets involved and whatever else. And Joe then comes out, the one that was assaulted comes out as the bad egg out of it all then, yeah. the finger is pointed. That has to be removed in some way because we cannot allow this to continue. Like, if you're going to an under-12, what examples are we setting, like, to all the kids and to all the parents and to the, the young brothers and sisters that are watching this match and go to an intermediate match or whatever else? Nobody has any right to walk in and clatter another fellow with a belt of a fist from yeah. 20 yards away. But then again, maybe all those people, then how do we start this? Keep the people outside the area that they can't get access and steward it properly. We're, we have all these people then as well, like, called stewards going to all these matches. The vast majority are, I have to be careful the way I word all these things, are of an age, right? (laughs) Well, they're going to watch the match really more than anything, aren't they? Spot on. But that's not, is that, there's a difference then between stewarding and, uh, say, security officials. Yeah. And I'm not batting here for security, but if you're doing the job, you should do it right. And people shouldn't be allowed inside a certain area. Well, why don't like, they have proper... So that well, seems like, like an be, employment uh, opportunity I, to I, me. That would make me very sad security? to think if we're bringing security mm. into it. Would, but, it but if it has to be done, it has to be done. If it's, When I say security, either train the stewards properly to do it properly, and if you're outside a certain area, you're outside a certain area. Well, why can't we just behave ourselves, but, Joe? But that's not going to happen. <laughs> like, that's not going to happen. Can I come in there? Yes, no. um, Look at a lot of these um, attacks on referees are, are seldom at the big, bigger event games. Yeah. They're seldom. They're at the smaller local yeah. community Parochial, derbies. Yeah. Parochial. Mm. That's where the attacks are happening. 
Um, and uh, there is a great culture in the GA of a whole community coming mm. together. Uh, but historically, if you look at it, in the early days of refereeing, if you go back to the early foundations of GA, there's a famous account of Owen Turles of a referee who refereed the match on horseback <laughs> because it was the safest way of getting really? away if he was attacked. Wow. Uh, so there is a long historical culture of it's it's open territory when it comes to uh, abusing referees. I remember when I used to coach myself, I used to insist with the players, I said, if the referee says that grass is black out there, you say, yes, it is. In other words, you don't question the referee. Now, equally, I think the referees need to be, and I think it's part of the training. Now, they need to explain why they're giving the, uh, the, the free in the first place. Yeah. But the player on his part or her part needs to accept the referee's decision. And in fairness to the GEA at county level, when hearings come before them, they take the referee's account as gospel. In other words, it's not questionable. Mm. And Rachel brought up the issue of video evidence and we often get that now in hearings committee. But the problem with video evidence, as anybody will know, is it can be edited. So are you are you unless you have an official GA video camera there videoing it, you, you might it. be getting the edited version which yeah. highlights But it's like that you can wear those little GoPro cameras yeah. like what they have. They would be a, they well, would yeah. they would be a help. But um the I think coming back to you know your ban Joe's question of how do you police somebody who's banned for fifty two weeks now you can do that if it's an official if it's a mentor of a team or whatever mm. they can't be on the sideline you can do that but if it's Joe Soap and the crowd but the real issue often is with the mentors mm. and the referee so I think one of the ways uh, money is the thing like a lot of clubs uh, are under pressure money yeah. don't have it but start to find them heavily yeah uh, you know and that you know these guys are going to cost you if they go AWOL on the sideline. But, 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 but in fairness, I would have to say the GA at national level is trying to bring in that thing of giving respect and so on. Yeah. And it's a sort of a vicious circle, but they need to be seen to be tough and take tough. Like I've sat on hearings committee and you know, like basically the people coming in appealing the decision of the referee are often, I often say to them, are you saying the referee has written an account of fiction here? instead of a factual account of what happened at the match. Mm. Yeah, I mean, like one of our listeners pointed out today, a lot of this, the the problems we're facing is because people don't really know the intricacies and complexity of the rules. Yeah, exactly. And uh, you see, particularly in hurling, it's such a fast-moving game. And as Joe Mm. highlighted, unless you have a referee that's very fit, able to keep up with the game, and there is arguments when you get to interprovincial that maybe you should have two referees. But um, it's it's the speed of the game as well. Mm. And if a team is, is, is finding that the refereeing quality is, you know, that the refereeing decisions are questionable and some that builds up frustration, that builds up anger. Now, yeah. as adults on the sideline and as mentors, you have to control that. But, yeah. But, but I think as well, I think another thing needs to be taken into account as well, and it's not considered, you know, like there's a kind of a a consensus or a belief or an acceptance out there, you know, that if the referee will say in the first three minutes shows a yellow card, mm. the blame is on the referee, he's ruined the match now. This this referee has destroyed the game. But I think if there was a, lot, a bit more of that early on... Oh, yeah, I disagree with you. I think it, he's setting his stall that's out my very point. early. But, yeah. that's, I th- but I think if you get that happening in a game, you'll have a lot less friction in the whole mm. game because the message is sent out early. He's not I going think, to take it. I, I think yeah. where, the, where the problem is starting is that when the old, you know this thing, you know, not very many referees maybe are able to spell it, I'll take that on the cheek, is a shamazzle. You know when the shamazzle starts, <laughs> yeah. you know? And all of a sudden then like he's allowed to develop a little yeah. bit and there's a bit of finger wagging the finger wagging 
then you le- that leads to another shamazel. Mm. And the next you hear at the end of the game, like, you know, that the referee you know, flashed uh, eight yellow cards. He didn't send yeah. anyone off that. That's a great whole game. That, this, that, that mentality needs has to change first. Yeah. I think the respect is only this finger wagon earlier on is only just that should be just once. And then I think you need to give the yellow card. And if you do that early on, I think a lot, we used it here on a programme before, respect has got to come back into the into mm. the game. Yeah. And I think respect is is a two-way street. It has to be given. In some cases, it has to be demanded as well. Mm. And I think if it's demanded by the proper administration of the rules, then I think everybody has to benefit. So finally, can I ask you then, before we finish up on this, Noel, you were saying that, that there are some clubs that have a reputation mm. for that. So should other clubs just refuse to play them? Well, I, I wouldn't go so far as that. I, I think in the case where clubs have a reputation for it and and the Competitions Controls Authority know those clubs quite well uh, because they've had to deal with them down the years, they should be ensuring they appoint the most competent referees to referee those games. Yeah. The most competent and the most experienced referees who will not take that type of abuse and who will lay down what Joe was talking, the markers very early in the game. There's a particular referee I know on the South division for instance if you question why he gave a free he'll move the ball 20 metres forward and if you do that often enough yeah. the team gets the message yeah. <laughs> but having said that I would say before we go from yeah. that subject I would say uh, I won't bother naming the clubs but I would say like that there's, there's a few championships and the participants would be very sparse if we barred some of the clubs would have a, would have a reputation <laughs> Josh, <laughs> I, I'm dying to ask Noel about my own club so I'm going to do that now while we're on an ad break we're right back after this Join the conversation in Tipperary. Contact us through Facebook, Twitter or email tiptoday at tipfm.com. We're back with the Friday panel here on Tip Today. Uh, continuing kind of along a sports vein, but this is a story based on Jamie Hagan, who's a former Connacht and Leinster rugby player. He spoke on a podcast on the 42.ie this week about how he had to endure online abuse and how it led to mental breakdown. So the question we want to ask as part of the panel is why do we dehumanise not just athletes but famous people on social media and almost feel like they're fair game? Joe, I mean, the issue of, of online abuse, it's huge. It's huge. Oh, it's huge, but, uh, but uh, um, it's targeted like at, at a lot of people. It's targeted like at, you know, politicians and people think because you're a politician that you're fair game. Mm. You know, you're still... Some people might think they're not all human, but you're a human. Yeah. You know, we had the same thing with the president of the country. We have the same thing. Everybody is fair game on social media because so many people can hide behind the screen of who they are. You can set up fake accounts, false accounts, and you can say whatever you like, and nobody is there to contradict you. Or to, and if anyone says something against you, you delete that and you're gone. Mm. You know what I mean? That gone into thin air and you come back again. But it, they're affecting the people that are. Um, reading this and that are reading about it, you know, and and they're also affecting the families of the people that are looking at this and reading this, and it should stop. But it's up. How do you stop it? Like, how do yeah. you prevent something? It's it is what it's called social media, so yeah. it's out there for everybody. Like those people that are saying that about anybody who's who's famous or not famous or any other individual, will they come in here or come live on air and say it? Mm. You know, you may be sure they won't come live on air and say it. You know, because they they wouldn't be able to say it and they haven't the guts to say it and they can't stand over nine tenths of the things they say anyway. So it's a free 
vulgar way of doing things, you know. Yeah, Rachel, mm-hmm. I'm sure there'll be a lot of people who say, well, just get rid of the social media. You don't need Facebook. You don't need Twitter. Get rid of it. That will eliminate all of mm. that. Is it easy as that? Uh, it's not. Uh, part of the problem is, is that we are very interconnected now. We use social media for all sorts of things. Like, for example, I would prefer not to have WhatsApp, but if I want to get in, in contact with a variety of different groups that I'm involved with, it's all through WhatsApp messages. Yeah. So um, I think as an individual, you have to be take protective measures. And I've seen it on Twitter where... Um, you know, some I remember a few years ago a relatively minor celebrity in Australia, um, not a particularly well-known one, but one who did struggle with mental health problems herself in her life. Um, she seemed to be a magnet for people attacking her, but she would also take it so personally and she would go down the rabbit hole of engaging with these people. And it's almost as if um, there are pe- swarms of people out there who are getting an enjoyment from the the bait and the play of, yeah. of attacking people and bringing them down and at some point you have to be able to say I I can't engage in this for my own mental health I can't look at it I can't read all of these comments I cannot and if if it's affecting my mental health I need to step away from it all absolutely because um and she ended up committing suicide it was awful it was really dreadful and but I could I remember you know I sort of watched her twitter feed thinking why are you responding why are you taking the bait it's Mm. it's crazy you've got to step away from this the problem is is that you know it that there is normally when we have face-to-face interactions as as social animals as we are we still have some barriers in place to attacking people face to face we it's the reason why we have road rage is because there's that level of of anonymity there which which being in a vehicle gives us and behind a computer screen it's perfect not only do you you can be completely anonymous you can have a fake username you can hide your ip address so nobody knows where you are so it's the perfect way for people to be able to engage in in socially destructive behaviors with no consequence so we need to take into consideration when we're teaching our young people that that there is a, a very real danger to people's mental health when you go down that rabbit hole. And it's addictive. The reason yeah. why Facebook and Twitter and Reddit and all of these types of um, social media corporations have de- designed their apps in order to give us the dopamine hit when yeah. we see our name. You know, so if you're, you know, somebody, particularly if you're slightly famous and you're getting a lot of dopamine hits because all of a sudden you're being mentioned, you're being, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a great ride. But unfortunately, with that becomes the downside, which is the the danger to your mental health. And you you have to learn that this is an addiction cycle that you've got to step away from. And Noel, you're you're someone who's worked with with pupils and with students Mm. and teenagers. What can you say to teenagers to maybe pull them away from that draw of the the hit? Yeah, um, I've just noticed even this morning, Paul Reid announced he was retiring to his last day in the job. And uh, I just looked through the thread, the level of abuse. Now, I'm, I'm I'd be critical of Paul Reid like everybody else, but nobody deserves that. And I suppose there's an old principle, you are what you cons- what you eat, mm. you know, health-wise. Mm. Well, likewise for your mental and emotional health, you are what you consume. So if you consume that negativity, it will, it's corrosive. Mm-hmm. It is absolutely corrosive. I had that experience once during the summer where a tweet I'd put up uh, about the environment and so on and farming, and I got a, a, a rake of negative really? things. But... I didn't engage with them. There is no point. These people want it. And you see, the algorithms in all these uh, Facebooks and Twitter and so on, negativity creates more traffic than good news. 
That's why you see so little good news in a lot of these sites because uh, it doesn't travel as well. Whereas negative comment and negative feed, uh, uh, it, uh, it attracts it. But my advice to students was uh, in the old days in bullying, very often it was physically there in your face, you could see it and so on. So when the kid went home, at least it was a safe zone. But now when kids go home, their phone and device is still getting at them. Yeah. So sometimes to protect yourself, you just have to block those people. Mm. Yeah. Block mm. them. You're never going to convince them or, and they have a totally opposing view, which they're entitled to have, yeah. but they're not entitled to abuse you. So if you find that it, this is draining you down, you need to pull back from it and say, this is doing me no good. And I used to always say, you know, the people who know you well will know who you are. Yeah. You are not defined by other people's comments. So you don't need to worry about other people's comments. Now, that's fine if you're a confident person saying that, but I would appeal to people who are feeling that they're emotionally being drained, mentally affected by what's there, withdraw from it. I know know one teenager who took that advice, and I met her lately, and she said it was the best advice she ever got. Her health balance came back as a result of it. And you know what? I'm afraid I'm after running out of time. I'm over time, actually. But it's something I'd love to come back to maybe another week, because I think there's a much broader discussion on it. But thanks to our panel this week of Joe, Rachel and Noel. That's it for today. The winner of our gym competition is Bernie Power in Ballypatrick in Clamel. Well done to you, Bernie. You win four months free membership at the Talbot Leisure Centre at the Talbot Hotel. Tell also quick reminder nominations for the best of tip awards close tonight, so be sure to get your nominations in. That's at tipfm.com. Davin is up next with the time tunnel. Have a great weekend, whatever you're up to. Tip today with Fran Curry with Slattery's Garage. Puck on, you can't beat experience with over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans. We like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie.